Viewer discretion is advised. I've seen what lifelong resentment does to people in their relationships with others. I've seen it kill my closest family members. Mandate. Welcome to Mandate, where we navigate fresh perspectives and nothing is off the table. Tonight's guest is from Tamaki Makuru. Yes, I said guest. We have two guests tonight. And they just started their first year in studies in terms of um, university. And one is studying at, um, currently at AUT, studying law. The other one is, um, we'll be leaving our shores uh, probably in, in the following week. Yeah, so, about yeah, a week. Yeah, yeah, about a week. And so he's going to Yale, Yale University out in the USA. And so these are amazing young men. They're, they're just amazing men who are just looking to achieve some amazing um, accolades but more so achieve some amazing feats and uh, in their respective fields as well so please put your hands together for the amazing Boliasi Boleka and Andre Faoso <laughs> happy to be here thank you thank you my lord of usos hey um, I guess just start the ball rolling as well um I guess for, to you, um, Andre, obviously you're going to yell, and so obviously it's been a crazy bit of a whirlwind uh, for several months, and so you're, you're leaving next week, and so bro, tell us tell us how how, how everything's panned out, but also your emotions and the feelings as to, you know, leaving there, and also the family and all that kind of stuff. So tell us, um, yeah, just how well, you've been, bro. I think that's a lot to unpack, because I think, you know, it's kind of been a whole thing of, I mean, we're about three, four months since I found out that I that I got in. Um, and so now everything that was kind of inevitable that I've been planning for is now coming into place. Um, sold my car last week, which was the first like la- first <laughs> goodbye, and I was quite sad about that. Um, resigned from work, last week of work this week. Um, and also, you know, like saying goodbye to friends as well. Um, and I'm organising, just, just trying to like fit in time for all the people that are so important to me that I want to say goodbye to also spending time with my friends and well with my family with my mum particularly because I think she's taking it quite hard um especially since I'm her only child so um you know we've we've had a few little bits and periods of of just sadness and and she's been a bit sad so I've been kind of like there for her but also just assuring her about the fact that this isn't permanent. I'm just going overseas to, I mean, not not trying to undermine it, but you know, I'm I'm going overseas um, to better myself. But you know, the the pathway that I'm trying to take, um, and I'll be back definitely at some point. Hopefully at the end of the year, but unsure. Um, and yeah, it's it's just been a lot. Um, I don't think I've fully had the chance to process my emotions just because um, I've been kind of in that whole sphere of just overcoming all the practicalities of it. Like I haven't even started packing yet. I've been having to go to like the doctor's appointments because part of like my, my scholarship is health insurance because that's such a big expensive thing in America. So really blessed to have the health insurance, but they need every single little bit of health information about me. So just going to and forth from the doctors had to get a blood test this morning because they need to test me for like all these diseases that I might have, like not saying I have them, I should be fine, but you know, like (laughs) they're they're so precautionary. So just those little bits and pieces, um, even finishing work this week. um, And yeah, so I think next week, a little bit of rest before I leave. Um, spend time with all the close people that are very important to me and then from there it'll be time to leave yeah, yeah it seems so, I'm so, so, I'm so, you know just really surreal in terms of um, the whole thing that's, that's happened in terms of Yale yeah. and so bro just because I forgot to mention you, you're obviously doing a Bachelor of Arts political science and sociology yep. yeah and so is that kind of because like, I know you kind of you did working on radio as well and also 
kind of um, oh, yeah. j- journalism and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, been a, it's been a total total juggling act, the, to be fair, like this past four, three, four months, I feel like I haven't really had chance to stop because, um, you know, I've, I've, I continued with AUT for the semester. I was doing a Bachelor of Communications and I would have done a, I would have majored in journalism if I stayed. Um, so I finished off that semester, um, aced it as well, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, also had work. I work at Hallenstein's on the side. Um, also like work with other organizations and groups, um, UN Youth particularly, and also at 95BFM as a producer and a host um, on like the news side of the station. Um, and that was a really, really exciting opportunity that I had. Like, you know, within six weeks of joining that radio station, I had my own show. So it was like, it was just great. Um, and from there, I was kind of able to take on like this, this editorial director role and kind of bring all these different stories and ideas into my reporting. And, um, you know, throughout the past few months, I've been able to talk about things that are important to me. Um, and those that are around me and I think that would engage my audience. So that's kind of been like one other important part of what I've been doing recently. Um, plus, you know, all the amazing people that I've met over the past few months as well with, with all I've done. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's just been crazy and like nonstop. And some points it feels like a movie. Sometimes I want to pull my hair out just cause like everything kind of piles on. Um, and that's kind of where I've kind of had to like step back and, like kind of reassess what my priorities are um and take a break and i think that's some that was a pretty important part of um this whole journey mm-hmm. yeah because you guys are you guys are really busy like for the short time <laughs> yeah. that i've gotten to know you guys you and bowl are just always always on the go yeah like you could have just said here yeah, i could rest on my laurels that's all right i've just go and get, get ready get a yell but you just you've been busy even you bowl because you some of the things that you've been into um terms of uni and, and so forth what some of the groups have You've been um, kind of starting up and being involved in. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I'm with UN Youth as well. If I, that's actually where I first met that's Andre. How, that's how we met each other. I met him in 2021 at the Auckland Model United Nations event. And I think there's a photo of us. I'll, I'll show you guys off this part. <laughs> yeah. This first met there. So UN Youth, um, I've been there with them for uh, three years now. I'm, I'm actually their um, regional manager for South Auckland. So coordinate with South Auckland events. And we're just trying to get more engagement around South Auckland to a lot of these um where you don't see as much uh, South Aucklanders in. Um, I'm also with NZQA, uh, one of the NCA champions. So we pretty much do workshops around um, communities, um, educating Pacific communities around NCA, the shortcuts they can take. And just uh, one of our motives is uh, ensuring Pacific learner success. Um, and I'm also with uh, New Zealand International Students Association. I joined the pastoral t- uh, care team earlier this year. Um, oh yeah, I, I now am a, I'm an international student and I also... Oh gosh, you're right. Yeah, you yeah, you lose yeah, track yeah, when you yeah. when you're too far oh, into yeah, it. So many and, and obviously, yeah, Tai Tai Olimoana. Tai Olimoana, we're coming up soon. Um, yeah, UN Youth, NZISA, NZQA. Um, I recently started with uh, AUT. I'm a research assistant with them, and I'm also started as a international student experience representative. And that's all I can remember right now. But yeah, but it's it's been heavy trying to navigate everything and just resonating with what Andre said. Like, I'm not going to America, but it's having to balance everything, mm. finding time for everyone and just also finding time for yourself amongst all their work. And it can get difficult, but it's like, 
Yeah, but, but how, do you, how, how do you guys balance that? Because I know you guys are obviously very busy. Mm. So how do, you, how do you guys kind of balance all that, or the ju- kind of juggling act in terms of first year study in university? Obviously, you're going to yell, Andre, and so what's, what, what do you guys do to kind of keep yourselves sane and keep yourselves kind of like mentally, you know, well and, and, um, you know, and just in, in good stead? Well, some, I guess the first thing to say is sometimes you can't. You can't, you can't balance <laughs> it all. So like, you know, last week, for example, I got a bit sick. Um, and, you know, at that point I had to kind of step back and be like, oh, you know, I actually need to rest because my body is, you know, not going to be able to, to get out of bed and actually function. So first step was to take sick leave, which was actually nice because, you know, I've, I haven't taken any sick leave and I'm resigning anyways, so it was fine. <laughs> um, I also had to, you know, step back from the radio station for the week um, and kind of also tell my friends and family that I didn't, I wasn't, you know, in a, in a state to do anything. Um and so it was actually like a good little period of respite for me as well because it also had it gave me a chance to reflect just on the fact that you know I've been full on and maybe I do actually deserve a bit of rest besides the fact that I'm sick um so I think you know on top of on top of you know realizing that you know there are so many things that we need to balance it's also listening to yourself and how you feel and actually knowing that there are times where you do need to step back and that's totally okay um and you just need to to use those uh, supports that are behind the things that you do in order to to just keep functioning and keep going because um, if you keep going even when you can't you're going to crash um, and I've learned that as well um, and you know in terms of balancing what I've what I've been doing this year calendars have been important um, communicating even though I can that's a work in progress I think communicating is especially as, as something that I'm, I'm still continuing to learn, especially with, with friends and family in terms of what I'm doing, because sometimes like I can just be so flat tack that I'm just, you know, I have, I have my blinkers on and I don't know, you know, like what's around me or who I need to tell about what I'm doing. It can be just as simple as like, I can be to like to my mum one evening, oh, I'm going to this. And she's like, hey, you never told me that you were going out. Why, where are you going? And I'm just like, well, I, I thought I told you, nope. And at that point, it's just like, oh, well, I have to go. Um, so that's been like something that I've worked on throughout the year. Um, and how else do I balance it? Um, I think periods of rest as well is, is, important, is an important part for me. So I've tried, to, I always try to like find like just spots in my week where I can do things that I want to do. Um, and those kind of just revolve around being at home or spending time with friends and family, um, spending time with my little dog because uh, I love him to bits and I'm going to miss him heaps when I'm gone. Um, and also just spending time with myself is um, another important part because I think, you know, social recharge is such a important part of, um, mm. especially being a young person today, you know, it's a very hyper-socialized environment. So you're you're just around people all the time. So you just need time to rest sometimes because otherwise you're going to start like branching out, like lashing out at people when, when they get something Stick wrong. on the side eye. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> on uni camp, I say, like if, if you're just not in the mood, you're just, nah, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> Turn your head the other way. Don't look. Turn your music up when they're trying to call you. Yeah. So what about you, Paul? Do you do the same thing? Are you totally different in terms of how you balance um, everything that you're doing? Yeah, I don't communicate when I'm tired or when I'm trying to balance everything, I actually shut myself out. So if you see me around Union when I'm walking the city, my headphones are in, I don't like to talk to anyone. If I see anyone I know, 
you, I don't know you right now. I think, and for me, that's how I am. But you know, each to their own. Everyone's unconventional. Like, I take my time going places. I I wake up early in the morning just to get ready to go to school. Um, but in terms of balancing, it's just, you know, everyone has their own thing. For me, it's taking my time with it. Even if I have to leave earlier, it's processing it, taking the time to go through it all. And especially with um, like all the stuff I'm doing, it's just learning when to say no. And that's something we all have to do, right? Yeah. Learn to say no, learn when to turn it down. And that's one of the things. So like I socialize a whole lot of th- times with my UN youth stuff and everyone like that. But when I'm in my own space, so walking to uni in my room in, in the apartment at town, the city, at uni, in the library, it's just headphones in, in my own headspace and trying to float away. And that's just me, but I'm, I can't speak for anyone else, but yeah. Have you had people ask you whether like the things that you do are paid? Like, do you get paid for doing that type of stuff? I get paid for some of it, but most of it's volunteer work. Oh yeah. like I've actually had a few people like ask me, are you the guy from NCA? And because I do with the UN youth stuff, I go around to other schools and I've had actually a few students. And for me, that's that's yeah, a great yeah. thing for me. It's like knowing that our people see us and even though they haven't approached us just for the work we do, it's they know that we're available for them. It's cool, man. So it's just stuff like that that matters a lot, especially it drives us for what we do. Man, I like it. That you, I went off, but <laughs> no, that's cool. I like because I like you. You, you mentioned that, like you like voluntary kind of do some of the, some of these um, amazing things that you're doing, and so with the paid work and all that does it kind of like. How does it feel for you, like, kind of just do it voluntary? Just, is it just because it's from, from, from a good place in the heart? Yeah, the reason I asked about that was because, you know, for me, when, when people ask, oh, is that, is that, you know, do you get paid for to be on the radio or do you get paid to, you know, go and, um, you know, run these high school events that are like the biggest high school civics events in the country or, um, you know, do you get paid to go you know be interviewed or go you know give advice on on something um and you know a lot of the times it's just total voluntary work but mm. i think the thing that i value or well what i come back to them with is what i value from it and that is the experience um but also i think the connection is a lot more value to me than the actual money because i think in the long run it has its own benefits um and it, re- it, you know, it reaps its own benefits in the long run, I think, just getting involved and having that experience. Because um, I think, you know, in, you know, 15, 20 years from now, um, it, might, it might not necessarily be relevant that, you know, someone did the types of things that we did, but we will carry the experience um, and the wisdom that we got from it. And hopefully in the future, it would be useful. Um and, you know, like with the work that Bao and I do, especially with, with Māori and Pacifica in the community, I think it's also good for us to rub some of our wisdom off onto them and pass it on just to make sure that, you know, that, that it continues down generations. Um, and also that they know that there are people like them that are doing great things um, and not necessarily doing it for money. Um you know, obviously it, it's a struggle nowadays to, to live, to, to get mm. by. So I understand why people ask whether whether we get paid for certain things. Um, and I guess that's why I've balanced my paid work on, on the side of the volunteering work. But um, if you value it and, and you love it, and I do, then that's something you're willing to do. And um, yeah, I think, I mean, Bao, would you say something yeah. no, somewhere I, along the line? It's the that? same thing. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm. It's the same thing. Like, um, 
I don't know what the saying is, but if you love it, you'll find time for it. Yeah, and um, that's what I do with you and youth, and all the other stuff. I mean, it's for me, it's also about connections, but networking. Like you, when you go to these things, you actually you actually hear about things that people don't like to advertise. So, like uh, with NCA, I did a workshop a few weeks ago for a community volunteer program. They they run a homework center, and it's a bunch of people that are volunteering and giving their time to help kids with their NCA subjects, so English, math, physics, and it's run by Otago University. And it's just those connections and I built, and it's just a lot of wise people and different stories that came together. And I think that's one of the things that also drive me for, like in terms of driving connections and knowing more people is seeing where you can resonate with. And like Andre said, where people you know, people that look like you are doing great things. And also with, um, it's for me, it's like connections and relationships, like I said. Um, I, with my UN Youth stuff, I still get a lot of people messaging me. A lot of the delegates, uh, as we say in UN Youth, delegates are the student volunteers and student participants. And also I still, I email everyone after my NCA workshops, but I also get messages from, I actually started getting messages from people in the islands as well about AUT and being a Pacifica international student and the processes I had to take. And it's just those things that really, you know, makes you feel good, especially when you're doing out of voluntary service and you're giving your time, like, I my days are packed throughout the week but knowing that the work I'm doing will definitely go somewhere and give someone at least one person that good feeling of you know like like how everyone saw with Andre like oh yeah if he can do that I can do that too or I see that person I know them they look like me maybe I can do what they're doing maybe I can reach those heights and it's that, it's that ideal in the voluntary work that I do and also the other paid work but it's something that drives us a lot, especially for Pacifica. I think one thing for us is service. Yeah, and yeah. you, everything you see, everyone's, everyone has a Pacifica person will have a seven-figure job. You'll still see them in the community doing extra work. And it's just those type of things that I like to see and I want to be part of as well in the future. It's yeah. good, man. Well said. Well, I mean, you know, you, you come across some really amazing people in, in the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, just the diversity of backgrounds, that you come across but also in certain spaces you realize that there is a there is a lack of 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 diversity of perspective and and you kind of want to break the the homogenized opinions and perspectives that are in the in the place and kind of bring some flavor and some spice <laughs> to it and so that's another driving factor and in, in some of the in some of the spaces that 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 i'm in and no doubt that Baal's in um with the work that that you know we're both doing um and you know like I've I've done work with NetSafe um, over the past year. Um, I've been quite a big representative for the different modules that they've rolled out. Like a few weeks ago, they rolled out an education module across all schools in the country to help educate young people about um, sextortion and about the risks around you know nudes and sexting and um, also just about online bullying and just online safety overall because you know. It's such a it's such a challenge, challenging environment for young people in terms of the risks of social media, um, and so being a face for it um, as as someone you know who has who's like gained all this wisdom and experience through NetSafe, and I've kind of voiced and ad- advocated for what they've created alongside us young people. Um, you know, I was I was able to to you know bring some messages that hopefully resonate with a lot of the young people that that it's targeted at and um i've gotten a lot of 
I've, I mean, I've gotten some personal feedback about how NetSafe can actually better benefit young people through the work that, that they do. Um, and, you know, in instances like that, and even in UN Youth as well, I think, um, you know, I've received feedback on how they can do better. Um, and I've not been afraid to, to, you know, give it straight to them, you know, deliver it on the table and be like, you know, this is how, you know, young people think that we can better accommodate them. Um, and I think that's another reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that's just to be acknowledged um, and for the people that I represent to be acknowledged, because I think, you know, they, they absolutely deserve it. And otherwise, maybe they wouldn't be as acknowledged or as represented as if, um, if I wasn't in the spaces that I'm in. Um, and so that's like a very another powerful driving factor behind it. Man, AJ, I don't think I don't think we've met any young young people like yourselves in terms of hitting the ground in, in first year of study and just just running and just just going full throttle. It's just crazy. Hey, AJ, I was just thinking these guys are super busy, and obviously you both talked about drive. And so I'm really interested to, to know when you talk about drive. Something, what's the driving force? What's really that's that's driving you? That's kind of keeping that that fire under the belly as to why you're doing what you do. Surely there's got to be a story behind um, that, that, that drive. You go, pal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll go first. Yeah. Um, a long, long, long time, time ago. ago. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think first to acknowledge that although we're busy, you know, we, we also have a bunch of people we work with and uh, communities behind us. And like for me, it's one thing I like to do is I learn as I go. And for me, it's a 30-year plan. I don't tell much people, but I have a 30-year plan of how I want to see myself in the future. But and I'll, it's, yeah, it's a whole draft plan. Um, but I think in terms of <laughs> drive, um, for me, it's my parents um, and everyone. I th I'm sure for a lot of people, it's their parents. But for me, it's also about growth and personal growth. And I, I talked about this a few weeks ago um, with one of my groups was personal growth and just seeing like more of your perspectives, more of your ideas and spaces where they need to be. And if you feel like it's meant to be there, it's there. And you see it there and you feel good about it. And I hope that makes sense too. But I think for me, the biggest driver is my parents and my grandparents. Like, um, as I said, I'm an international student. So when I moved over in 2020, the one thing my granddad told me was um, leave the room cleaner than it was. Or in Fijian, and it's like, leave your room cleaner than it is. And it was an analogy with it. Um, whatever space you go in, wherever you go, make sure it's better and in a better situation than when you first entered it. And this is just something that's driven me in terms of all the other places I've been. And it's for my parents too. It's They work so hard. Like my dad's been uh, with, my dad works for United Nations and he's been there for I think 10 plus years now. And it's just all the work he does is just for his kids to have better educations, better lives. Like my parents are humble stories. They, my grandparents stayed in the village. My granddad was a farmer. My grandma was a teacher in the village. She ran her school and then they, just as they were about to retire, they moved to the city to give their kids a better education. And now my dad's where he is and his siblings are all suspective, uh, suspect, successful in their respective fields. So apologies. And it's just one thing that drives me as well. is like seeing, you know, when you see your family, um, seeing how hard they work. For me, it's uh, being able to know that the work they do pays off. And my dad asked me, why do you do all these things? Why do you do all this? Like, it makes me feel good, but it makes me feel good inside, but in person on a personal note and like personally inside, it makes me feel good that the work I do now will give him the future that he wanted to see in his day. Like he want, and when, when he was a child, he wanted to see more 
islanders like fiji back then was pure colonialism white people running everything but and back in his day he would have wanted to see more fijians running this more fijians heading this up and i think for me driving that into how i am how i live what i want to do in the future is making sure that his dream is my future and the future of my siblings as well and yeah it's i get emotional when i think about it but it's just the hard work they do like i my dad's in uh, africa and my mom's back in fiji i actually my dad left in 2020 so like he they dropped me off i didn't see him until last year so there was three whole years of covid but mismanaged of time and he came and surprised me in school and i just it's funny when you see the senior prefect crying in the office <laughs> and you see a whole bunch of videos after it but yeah i think in terms of drive and the, my biggest pushing powers like what my granddad said is leave the room cleaner than when you first found it and also just making sure that my parents as proud as they are now is that they know that their name the work they put in has a legacy that can't be moved at all no matter what happens with time yeah I like that, man. I like that, man. Oh, Andre, it's, so obviously, what's your, what's your drive? What's um, what's the driving force behind what you do? Well, I think, I think what I what I've learnt is, you know, through what I've done is, um, I, I've always needed to. I think for a long time, I've always needed to put myself out there in order to, to kind of like connect with other people. Um, and I think I've kind of conditioned myself to, to be very comfortable with it and to, to enjoy actually being out there and, and connecting with all sorts of people. You know, back in primary school, um, I, I was always just the ultimate nerd. Like, <laughs> I I was blessed with, like, you know, a photographic memory, memory so I could... I could, you know, tell you about, you know, a, a car or about how an engine worked at six years old. Um, when I was five, my mum's car broke down and I went on YouTube and actually diagnosed what was wrong with it and actually told the mechanic at five years old what was wrong with the car. And he was like, oh, yeah, yep, you're right, you're right. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know, I, I researched it. Um, and, you know, I think I was such a I was such a smart and inquisitive kid at the time that wasn't equipped with the social skills to to fit in well in primary school, so you know I, I was I was constantly like bullied um, and I don't think I fit in very well, um, and that was kind of on top of of home life like um, you know my mum and dad divorced or well separated when I was a relatively young age around six seven. Um, uh, and and so like you know that there's like that that kind of went on in, in the background at home like their their strained relationship, and and seeing them um, seeing them fight and argue, um, and you know the the police welfare checkups and all that type of stuff you know it wasn't it wasn't an easy time and you know I can I can say now it was it was pretty traumatic just seeing the different things that went on at home, um, so it was like you know being unsettled at home. But and kind of coupled with with the struggle of, of school and finding where to fit in there, it was it was kind of hard. Um, and so I I was also I was I was a pretty chunky kid as well. So like you know eating eating was like my my comfort. I was a I was a total comfort eater. So I was like this nerdy fat you know uncomfortable kid for like a good chunk of school mm. from you know from primary all the way into intermediate. And I'd say it wasn't really until anything. I don't think anything really turned until the beginning of high school. Um, 
I think it was high school where I actually turned around and was like, you know, I, 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 I didn't say to myself like, oh, you know, I, I think I need to change. But I thought, oh, I think I should try something new. Um, and so I tried something new and that was just to sign up for a group. Um, I think it was the environment committee. I was just like, oh, I'll go to this, I'll go to a meeting and see what it's like. So I went there and like, you know, met, you know, the, the people that led the group and, you know, they had like these events that were coming up for the year. I was like, oh yeah, cool. This is cool. I'll sign up for it. And I was like, oh, you know what? I was a library monitor in an in intermediate school, um, but I didn't attend intermediate because I hated it. So I used to wag. Um, so like <laughs> my, my attendance rate at, in intermediate school was like at like 43% because I just did not go come year eight I was in I had a 43% attendance rate but but luckily I, I passed everything you know with a 43% attendance rate um and so actually yeah that was my little like turning point for when I was like huh you know 43% attendance but I still passed everything so like if I like attended a little bit more and I had a reason to attend a little bit more then maybe I'll do better. Um, so I, yeah, so high school started, I joined the environment group. Then I realized this is cool, signed up to be a library monitor. And then I got involved into all these other groups like debate, um, animal rights, like Amnesty International, UNICEF, all that type of stuff. And then eventually the head boy of the, of that year actually came and shoulder tapped me and he was like, Oh, you know, um, we've seen you've been really involved and really active in these groups. Would you like to join the student council for this year? I was like, oh, um, I'll think about it. Because um, I was like, oh, you know, this is like, you know, well, the student council was like the like the top group for a junior student to join at school at the time. Um, and so, like, I, I went home and, like, talked to mum about it. And she was like, hey, you need to join it right now. Like, <laughs> accept his offer. He, he came up to you. You didn't apply, did you? I was like, no, I didn't. Um, and so I... I accepted his offer and, and was in. I think that was like at the point where I was like, you know, I got I got recognized for for the work that I'm doing. And, you know, it, it made me feel really good inside. Um, and it actually made me feel like both proud of myself, proud of what I was doing. And then I think I was actually doing some good for, for other people as well because, you know, it was, it was actually doing work in the school community. Um, and I guess the rest is history. You know, I, I, I continued that throughout high, high school. Um, and then with the academics as well, I, my attendance was like, you know, I, I stuck to it. I think in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, you're, 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 you're trying something, you're, you know, you might as well stay consistent. Um, and so I stayed con consistent, got top of my class for year nine. Um, and, you know, I, I stuck to it and I was really proud of that. And then it was at that point at the end of year nine where like this whole trial period for me happened of trying all these new things. I was like, this isn't too bad you know this is this is pretty good so you know where to now I was like well you got to do it again next year and you're going to do it better and so I did um and I tried and I think yeah I, I from then on I just kept trying to to better myself by setting like you know little little goals in, in my mind um and kind of ignoring the things behind me that kind of that kind of affected the back my background um because I think you know my little motto has always been um, don't let the cracks in your path, you know, turn into canyons that stop you from doing what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think I've, you know, ignored the cracks in my path um, and tried to, you know, just keep going regardless. 
Um, and I've always encouraged people to do the same because I think that's super, super important because if there's a goal and if there's something that you're trying to achieve, then don't let like anything, anything try to stop you from doing that. Um, and from year nine as well, it was like, oh, I, I saw the head boy Ruben of the year, saw his like shiny badges on his blazer, you know, and he got ducks of the year as well. He, he, so like, that was the other thing. I was the first head boy and ducks combo since Ruben. So, and he was the head boy in year nine when I, when I was at Rutherford. So, you know, he, he, people have asked who, who like started it. And I was like, I think I looked at Ruben and, you know, I, I never really knew him personally, but I looked at Ruben and was like, it would be like cool to, you know, reach, reach that. Cause he was, he was what a head boy was meant to be for me, you know, to be an inspiration for the students. Um, and so he, he was kind of like a precedent for where I wanted to be in year 13. Um, and so that was also like a kind of stencil behind how I got through high school as well. Um, not not like consciously always like oh yeah this is what's gonna make me head boy or you know i don't think there was like any real intention behind what i was doing behind like the genuine intention of actually just like doing it for out of out of the love for for the experience for the people for the community um and so you know that was another like part about it um but yeah like it's it's been you know absolutely humble beginnings None of my parents didn't go to high school. Um, oh, well, they went to high school. They didn't go to university. Um, they didn't pursue it. Um, my mum's been, my mum was disabled. Well, she's had a disability for the whole time that I've been alive. Um, so, you know, don't come from riches either because I was either, you know, a, a beneficiary child or, you know, my mum's on ACC now. Um, you know, we, we've, we've been, we've been through it. We've been, we've been through tough times. And so, you know, when I see other people that are going through hard times as well, I can I can totally empathise with that and understand where they come from, because you know, despite where I am now, I I totally remember where I was as a child, and you know, I completely don't forget it. Um, and I think you know, it's it's worth acknowledging that a lot of what I went through as a child actually shapes shapes me today. Um, and I guess that's the other part about it is I for and this this is like one thing that I, I that I encourage you know young people to think about is are you going to let the hardships that that you experienced as a child um determine your outlook for the future um and how are you going to let it shape you like are you are you going to see like you know an, an aggressive and violent home life turn you into a violent person that goes and and bashes people for what you want um you know, and I, I, I totally could have become that. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm blessed that I, and I'm lucky and I'm fortunate that I didn't become that person, that I didn't become that side. Um, and I think part of that was also thanks to, to those people that, that stuck around me as a child and, and kind of kept me on, on the good track um, and just tried to, to share the love that I, that I needed because you know no doubt I felt loved as a child I think despite the fact that there were those hardships I didn't I never did not feel loved by those around me and I think I'm very fortunate about with that um and I think that's another thing that's that shaped the path um but yeah I think you know young people should ask themselves would you would would you let the hardships that that you went through as a child how are you going to let it shape or influence what you want to do are you going to let it turn it are you going to let it 
um, drive you into doing something good for yourself and those around you and your family and your future, or um, are you going to go down the other track? And you know there is there is that level of, of accountability that that each person has to take, um, but also it is it is a whole you know village raising the child thing as well, and and what is nurturing that child inherently comes from the village, um, and and the village that that child was brought up in. So yeah, it's it's a big complicated thing, but it's something that I'm figuring out it's <laughs> day by day, you know. Um, and I've I've had time to reflect and, and think about it, but but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just the awareness and the the perspective. Definitely wise yeah. beyond your years. Yeah, but I think in both stories, really fascinating to see the importance of having someone in spaces so that you could see them. Yeah. And acknowledging their place in your story. Um, whether it was your dad in the UN or your your grandfather's wisdom, being able to see that and acknowledge it and then carry it with you as part of your story. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Mm. And then similar with you and seeing um, Ruben as head boy. Yeah. Like seeing him and then literally you being able to be that yourself in your very own way. Yeah. Telling your very own story. Yeah. Honestly, I just think it's it's pretty cool. It kind of gives me, it makes it really hopeful for um, the upcoming generation for my kids who are still yeah. really, really young. Um, but I think you touched on some things there that not even for young people. I think it's also, there's a lot of older people too. That like, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you know, we don't reflect enough yeah. and it's like, we still have a choice to make. Like yeah, we can absolutely. still choose. It's not too late to choose. So I just think timeless wisdom, honestly, from both of you. So. I think I think belonging, people always try to find belonging in the spaces mm. that they're in. Um, and it's really, how, how do you go about that? You know, um, some some people will, will join in, join a volunteering group. Some people will, will join a gang, unfortunately. Um, uh, and it's, uh, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, it's it's just, you know, how, how, how do we go about navigating, finding a place? Because that's, that's honestly, that's the human condition. It's to find a place with people that you can connect with. Um, and so, you know, Bao and I are just cases of, of how we went about it. Um, and, you know, that goes with acknowledging the other ways that people, other people have gone about it. And that's, that's totally relative to, to their backgrounds as well. Um, and it, funnily, funnily enough, you touching about, you know, us, us being, you know, more wiser than our years. Um, you know, I, f I feel like, for, at least from my experience, I, I grew up quite fast, um, especially, especially because of my mum. Um, and us being somewhat reliant on each other, you know, emotionally over, over my, my growing up years um, that, you know, I, I think I, I matured a lot faster because I think also I, I took on like a, almost felt like I took on a, a caregiver role for my mum because, you know, I, I loved her and, and she was in, you know, this, she was, she was, she had this disability that, that made her unable to work or, um, you know, she'd, she'd get upset or depressed over, over certain periods of time. And so, you know, I, I felt almost connected with that in my, in my earlier years. And that made me grow up faster because I felt like I had to, I had a responsibility to look after her as her only child. Um, and so, you know, I think that's like one level of our closeness because, you know, I, I love and I love my mum so much and I'm so loyal to her and I'm, and she's a big part of, me and my path and how I've grown up. Um, that's also why it's super hard for her as I'm getting ready to leave because it's like, you know, for the past, you know, for the past 10, 10 years, it's just been me and her. So, you know, from, from being that little boy that, that relied on her to, to being this young man that's moving across the world 
um, pursuing an Ivy League edu- education, you know, by myself, um, it's a lot. And, you know, that's a lot both for me to process, for my family to process, and, and for my mum as well. So it's just it's just a day-by-day thing, I guess. It's cool, man. Yeah. It's really interesting that you mentioned, um, well, I mean, a couple of things there. First thing was um, you mentioned belonging and absolutely agree. Mm. Everyone wants yeah. to belong. Um, and, and just thinking, because you both seem so self-assured that uh, I'm just thinking about belonging. And, you know, when you're joining clubs, sometimes it can be intimidating, you know, joining a club where you don't know anyone and you're literally just like, we have a similar interest, but I still don't know these people. Um, do you go in now as you are with the sense of like because you know who you are you can feel comfortable in any space and feel like you belong or do you still feel like you kind of enter a new space and you're kind of hoping that there's some some sort of like immediate okay cool i belong here like people are coming we're talking we're all good or have you been in places even now where you like go in and you're like i still don't feel comfortable here this isn't my space Oh, definitely still don't feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's um like for me it's for me it's a moving journey, it's a moving block uh, as we go along. Like um in terms of like finding your belonging, everyone finds their community, like Andre was saying earlier. Wherever you end up, you're with people who relate to you, um, know what you've been through, know your lessons. And it's also um what's the word? It's also yeah, like I said, again, finding your community and your people. I think it's a slow journey. Like for me, uh, with how I am now, if you talked to me in 2018, I would have shied away right away. Or I would have turned into, a, I would have had a panic attack trying to talk to you. Like you definitely, you grow up, you build yourself around the community that's around you. So like in, like in terms of environment, if you're in a very, this is your leader type, this is your leader, you listen to them type of environment, you sort of close yourself off. But it's, and then when you find your community of people that, support you encourage this kind of talanoa and um, encourage you to be who you are that's when you sort of make yourself comfortable and feel comfortable but again for everyone for those ones that are able to just go into any space and make it their own i applaud them like to be able to just go and meet this new person and act like you've been friends for like 15 years that's a big trait in a person but i guess for like for me and maybe a whole a whole bunch of introverts slash extroverts it's you sort of take your time into yielding into the space. Like for me, um, you knew it took me three years to finally get out of my shell with them. And with NZ Create, finding three years. Even at school, I started school at Wesley College in 2020. 2020, I was quiet. You you would see me either in the library or hiding in the in the marae. Um, 2021, still quiet. 2022, 2020, and close to the end of 2021, that's when you sort of got out. And that's like what Andre was saying as well finding your people, sort of trying something new. Um, and just, I think it came for the same for me as well. It came to the turning point. It was like, nah, I need to change. I need to get out there. And I think it's the same thing as well. Like you sort of build your community as you go along. And that's I, cool. Not sure about others, but for oh, a lot of people, cool, that's man. how it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, adding on onto that, I, I've come into the imposter syndrome, eh? It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, You'll go into into something and think you know you you know you you would have earned a spot or mm. been given a spot into into something, and and nonetheless once you're in that space you're just like how how do I you know belong here where where do I fit in, and that I guess one like example of that was last year for me when I was at Youth Parliament, 
you know, I met some amazing people, you know, young politicians, some of them now are running for the election, some of New Zealand's youngest running politicians for election. Um, and, you know, being amongst that, but I was part of the the court, the press corps, so the youth press gallery, we were part of, you know, the people that were reporting on what was being discussed um, by the youth MPs. And even just being in that environment, because, you know, everyone else seems so onto it. And I was with children of politicians, like the National Party's daughter was with us and she was onto it. And I felt super, super intimidated. I was like, holy moly, like, you know, these these kids are like, you know, they're not only like well-versed with it, their parents are like, you know, this is <laughs> this is their workplace, you know, they're, they're used to this. So, you know, me being from a West Auckland high school, very humble beginnings, being in the beehive for a week, I was like, you know, how, how do I navigate this? Where do I go? How do I fit into this? So it is a juggling, juggling act because while you're trying to learn and adapt to a new space, you're trying to see where you fit in, um, who you can talk to, who you can connect with. And um, I think the good thing about, you know, those, the environments that, that Bao and I have gotten into is that it's actually very quick to learn who, who you can connect with and who you can't connect with quite so easily. And that, you know, might need a little bit more work to, to get along with. Um, so, you know, there, there's that, that's always, you know, at the back of your mind. Um, but yeah, I think as, as the years have gone by, um, as, as I've gotten more immersed into some of these places, of course, it's been easier to, to get in and get involved, but you know, it's always one thing to be new and fresh into something and, you know, trying something new. Um, there's always that, that level of nervousness as in what to expect, who's going to be there, and are you going to be the only one that shares th that single idea or perspective? Um, and honestly, you know, as as advice to young people, that's not a bad thing, you know. It's, it's actually a good thing to, to be one that stands out. And I think that's one thing I've realised in terms of my my background and my experiences it's not bad to be the only person in the room that has a certain perspective or a certain experience or a certain outlook on on one thing or um even just a reason to why you're there in that space um yeah yeah i think that's always been one like thing to consider it's cool man i appreciate i appreciate the the, the confidence and also the courage as well i love that you said you can stand alone and, and obviously you think about there's always a common common theme and also it's just it's quite prevalent in terms of the sense of belonging and trying to belong and trying to be a part of a group so how do you guys and just we could hear from you guys in terms of our young people how do we how do we eliminate some of those thoughts of of not belonging what are some of the ways you you think in your own experiences like for young people like oh, i can you know i can hey, well, yeah well in about two weeks i can give you a call and see how that you know like I, I you know i'm i'm thinking about me moving over over there like this is this is yale university this mm. place is like you know the same place that billionaires and presidents and politicians and Nobel laureates and Nobel Peace Prize winners and, you know, influential people have all gone to. Like, I'm sleeping in the same place that Meryl Streep and Angela Bassett slept in when I when they went to Yale. You know, I'm sleeping in the same place that John Kerry slept in. You know, he, he was a high up there US politician. Bill Clinton... Bush, all the Bushes went to to Yale. They're all US. They're, they're all US presidents. Um, no doubt, there's some influential people that you know amongst are amongst my class. 
Um, and, you know, I've already heard some crazy stories from, from other people that I know that are over there just about that whole life. And, you know, from someone from my perspective, I'm just <laughs> like, oh, where, where do I fit in within this? Because I don't identify with with the elite side of it, you know, even though it is an Ivy League and I know that, you know, there is that whole, you know, perception of, of you know, the Ivy League schools, you know, we've got, you know, your Harvard, your Princeton and your Yales and all the other, other schools within that. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how I immerse myself and adapt to, to that environment because I just know it'll be, it'll be crazy and it'll be really interesting just to see. But no doubt I'm going to go in there, go in there as like the Kiwi with the, with the accent that sticks <laughs> out like a sore thumb. And hopefully people like actually recognize that, that I'm not from there and actually like start talking to me, you know, like, um, and I'm open to, to perspective and I know America is a crazy place, but you know, I, I, I don't think they'll be able to get my sarcasm. Um, mm. I don't know whether that's a good <laughs> or a bad thing though. Like, Cause I, I know I'll be taking the piss out of some of the, the perspectives that I'm going to that I'm going to see there. Um, I hope I come across, I don't come across any like Rory Gilmore's or anything. Cause like, <laughs> you know, you know, like the, the American TV characters that all go to Ivy leagues. I can't stand them. I can't, I can't watch any of those shows. Cause you know, I, I think if I come across any of those characters on campus, I'm dogging them like, or I'm just ignoring <laughs> them or I'm, in my head, I'm just going to be like, oh, you, you've got to be kidding me. You know, like. Those tucked in polos with the yeah. sweater vest around <laughs> their neck. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, this is the place where they have like cocktail mixes for all the groups, extracurricular groups at the end of the year. Like, and it's all black tie events. You know, Halloween is a black tie event at Yale. Like they wear, oh. yeah, like they have Halloween mixes. Um, and even here, like I had a meeting with the Yale Alumni Association and that was like a stand up you know, like drinks party in Remuera. And I was like, holy, like this is a New Zealander that went to Yale who was talking to me and he sold his company in the eighties to IBM for $3 billion. And he's here like, you know, telling me about his experience as a graduate student at Yale university. I'm just like, did we go to the same university or like, <laughs> wow. you know, where, where does, where does this go? Like, it's, it's just crazy. Um, and I'm not even there yet. And I'm, you know, hearing all these stories and, and kind of adapting myself and conditioning for myself for what I'm going to expect. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm open for it. And um, I guess it'll just be straight back to year nine for me because I'm going to have to like <laughs> form new social groups, meet new people um, and kind of navigate that space. But like I said before, um, with the whole volunteering thing, you know, I didn't get paid for, for any of the experience, but I had that experience that, I can take on with me um and so hopefully that will equip me with what i'm going to face when i'm there it's awesome bro you belong there bro you belong there 100 man absolutely it's awesome well you both because um yeah what, what do you think some <laughs> of the ways in terms of eliminating that um not not that sense of not belonging in, in certain groups or certain mm -hmm. activities what, what do you do or what do you think what do you suggest in terms of uh, helping our young people yeah i think for me it's I pretty much grew up too fast as well um, from home. Pretty much, I was the middle child, the oldest boy at the time. So pretty much side by side with my mom as well and just having to take care of everything. I think in terms of like belonging, we're, like, we're at the point where if you're not doing what that guy's doing, you're the outlier. You're not, you're not considered part of the group, part of the boys or one of the girls or however. And it's just, especially for us, I think it's back to, we hear it a lot as well. Like, you know, take your time, 
you have to find your people but you also have to ask where is your people like where do i belong like how do i find my belonging and like for me it's like uh like you guys touched a base on earlier is like find knowing who we are like for me i don't even know who i am yet like in terms of who i am uh personal identity what i want to do what i want to become i'm i'm pretty much everywhere every everywhere everything all at once and it's just trying to navigate those spaces and it's like taking those lessons along especially for youth right now like i don't say i don't I, i'm not telling on like this is my advice like this is my personal experience it's just you you won't find everything sunshine and rainbows that's the reality of it and i'm still what i'm 19 years old now and i've gone through a lot of yeah um issues a lot of issues and because tribulations that sort of are building me to where i am and where i want to be but i think the biggest thing i would say is if you are in a space where you feel like you belong you have to assess whether or not you do see yourself in the future like what did you feel like when you first entered that space what did you feel like now that you're in that environment now that you know the people now that you know what's the behind the scenes stuff especially for our youth now it's we easily get lost in everything like the trends of vaping and all this other stuff that's going on that causes controversy between each other i'm just at the back watching everything happen like did we not move away from this are we trying not to move away from this stereotype against pacifica and all these spaces and we are and it's just again it's to the point where we still get sucked into it because that's all we ever get told that's all we ever shown that's all we ever labeled as and i think the biggest thing for us now is sort of try and learn whatever it is even even if it's too difficult is try and learn figure out um find out the history of your people the exact struggles they went through and what they did to overcome those and we hear a lot of our grandparents with their stories but we don't actually try to find any relativity there and 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 it is a big thing as well like our grandparents have a lot of wisdom our parents and we 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 hear them and we listen to them but do we actually take it on like do we actually listen to them like um a lot of friends i know they have grandparents who are part of like the dawn raids and the grandparents tell them off because these are people now that my friends now they they're on a path that their grandparents did not want them would not want them to take in the 80s when they were trying to fight for freedom and the right to stay in new zealand and i think that's the same thing now as well it's like we still get sucked into all of it and we sort of get lost in the whole notion of i'll find my place here and i'll have to force myself to like it because this is where everyone's going i think for me personally it's as much like andre was saying as much as you are going to be the one person out if you can see yourself taking it further and if you know that it's a path that will definitely give a better result go for it like uh right now with um on a project where it's sort of like netsafe so it's like a we're building a cur- curriculum for pacifica students trying to an interve- intervention into how we look at sexual and reproductive health and it's like it's a big it's not a taboo topic but it's something that we don't like to talk about and again it's one of those areas where you don't see much people working and that's the thing as well it's 
I guess what I'm trying to say is when you look at those spaces and where you try to fit in, sort of take your time with it. Even if you don't like it, see how it works. And then if you don't like it, get up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something I'm trying to le- I need to learn as well because some places I don't like right now, but I still at the back of my head, it's like you, you need to be there for the people that are going to follow. And I see that a lot with a lot of um, you know, community workers, the organizations they're with, they stay in these organizations, these groups where they're unappreciated, but it's because they like to see themselves and people they know. And it's just building a community for them to leave behind. Is that sort of makes sense? But yeah, I, th- I feel like a straight off. <laughs> um, no, no, this, this, this is all good. Um, but, well, but yeah, like. I get what you're saying. Like, yeah. just kind of, you got to kind of put yourself in that position and still stick yeah. stick in there and just stay in there and, and for the benefit, for the betterment for, yeah. of, of the next generation and so forth. Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. That's, and that's hard to do. And sometimes you got to kind of like, kind of stand on your own sometimes and be mm-hmm. that person to kind of say, hey, I'm standing within the gap and say, hey, I'm here. I'll, I'll, I'll persist yeah. even during the hard times. What's a, For me, it's like, this, this brought me back to like this time last year because... Uh, a week ago, oh, no, a few weeks ago, I was at a, at the local cafe in Tiaratu Peninsula with with my mum and my dog, and um, my old careers advisor at high school came up to me and she, you know, she gave me a hug and congratulated me and all that type of stuff, and she said to me, "Oh, I remember when you came to me asking me about the US universities, and I wasn't able to help you." Because, you know, I, I went to my careers office and asked, you know, oh, is there any, like, help that you guys can provide? Because I'm really interested in applying to overseas universities. Because they, they were helping with, with applying to New Zealand universities. But I was the first one that actually went up to them and actually asked them anything about it. And they were kind of perplexed. I was like, what? You know, we, we don't know. Um, and so that kind of was the rolling ball to, to starting this whole process of applying to the universities. Um and so, like, you know, I I did take a path on my own because, you know, I I didn't have the means in order to get, like, specific admissions support um, from, like, Crimson Education, even though I did get help from Crimson in the end, but it was pretty, it was a pretty indirect journey to get to get that support. Paul knows what I'm hinting at here because he knows the story. Um, Tell us the story. <laughs> what was the story? Well, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Oh, is it? <laughs> oh you, you, you can't share it with you. Oh well, I mean, it was it's it was something that just that ought to come up because it's such a such a strong part of my journey to where I am now. Like, Crimson said no to me in the beginning. Um, they said to me, "Yeah, Andre, you know, you've got you've got the academics. We see like you got all excellences, and you you were um, you were you know top year twelve scholar because obviously end of year prize giving hadn't happened at the time, but you know you're on a good trajectory there." Um, you know, your head boy and you've got all these solid extracurriculars and like, you know, you've, you've got true ambitions and you've got, you've got a good grounding, um, but you can't afford it. So we don't, we don't know how we can help you. And I, I, from that, that point on, I was like, oh, can I please like talk to someone higher up than you? Like just instead of someone like a, cause Crimson had phone operators that would call you and talk to you about you know what you had to offer um, and about your, your, um, what they call it, like eligibility. 
um, whether you were a good candidate because and that's that was like one one side of it like was I a good candidate um, for them to you know to expend their support on um, and so when they realized that I was that I was a good candidate um, but that I couldn't afford it because you know I was living with my mum my mum was on ACC um, and um, my, my dad wasn't really supporting us at the time either so it was a juggle and you know my mum couldn't just cough up three four thousand dollars to get the support and that was just for for the support that wasn't actually for like fee like school fees or anything so you know like that was like one part of it so when I I, I fully went at that point my mum was actually angry about me applying to the US. She was like, oh, yeah, like, you want to leave me? You want to leave You want to leave all your friends and family here? Fine. Go, do it. And so, like, you know, I I, I went, you know, fully bold and was like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do it and just see where I go, where it ends up. Because no harm in that, right? Mm. Um, seems scary because what happens if I actually get in? Well, here I am. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just full, full sent it. Um, got Crimson, like spoke to the regional like New Zealand Australia manager for Crimson because they're a global company but based here in New Zealand spoke to them and um they they said like oh yeah we'll be able to bring up a small scholarship package to support you and so from then on I got the support from Crimson um so that was like one one hurdle and then it was the whole application process and that was like long that was but I, I was pretty late into it though like the only reason that I actually got got the support from them was because I was, they considered me like a, a candidate that had already been onto it. Like they didn't need to tutor me on my school schoolwork because I was already doing well and they didn't need to tell me to join more groups because I already had, you know, all these extracurriculars. Um, so in terms of that, that was fine, but it was actually just like harnessing everything that I'd done and my life experience up to that point and putting it into an application that would appeal to these universities. Um, and so, like, on my list of universities that I applied to, I applied to, like, Harvard, Stanford, Princeton, Yale, Columbia, Brown, um, you know, all, all, like, real high elite institutions. No doubt they were like, you know, oh, you're applying to, like, some very, very, you know, hard-reaching schools. So, you know, it, it'll be a lot. Um, you know, just for Yale itself, I wrote eight essays all up by New Year's Day, which was when applications were due. I wrote 28 essays. Um, on dif differing topics and questions. Um, what, there's like the one main essay that you do, which is pretty short, around 650 words. But you have to like be very specific over the words that you do. Like my first draft, two and a half thousand words. By draft like eight, it was down to where it needed to be and I was pretty happy with it. Um, but at that point I was like, oh, yeah, I just need to stop. Um, and it was all remote as well because I was dealing with people from across the world. Like I had a tutor in, in India and another one in Los Angeles and another one in Hong Kong and another one in Washington, D.C. So on top of like meeting different time zones, balancing schoolwork, and then I got a job at the same time, it, that was a lot to navigate. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a lot of work. And, you know, in terms of, you know, being in a different path, like hinting to what, what Bao said, I had to kind of like go away from what was the norm and the norm was just settling for uni here in New Zealand. Mm. Um, but that was my backup. You know, that was, I, I got the scholarship from AUT and I got accepted into AUT to what I would have wanted to study. And that was my backup if I stayed. And so, you know, um, I, I, I went against what, what other people were doing and I, I tried this for myself and I, I full sent it 
and you know i'm i'm happy to say that i'm reaping the benefits of it um even just you know to say that i was interviewed for for i was interviewed for princeton i was interviewed for stanford and i was in, interviewed for brown and i was interviewed for yale um and i got waitlisted into columbia as well but i decided to decline that offer just because yale had given me such a generous scholarship um and so you know that that's like it's just like those little bits of my path that I'm kind of remembering now as I talk, but <laughs> it's kind of easy. That's like the other part. It's really easy to forget where you've gone and where you've come from. Um, and so like, that's why, you know, just in moments like this, it's really important to reflect like, um, cause you know, I can, uh, there's like times when I'm like totaled down and out on myself and I'm like, Oh, you're just a piece of trash, honestly. Like, and you know, it's it's in those moments that I kind of need to like shake myself and be like, hey, you know, like this is what you've done. You know, this is what you're doing. Where are you going? You know, um, and and yeah, it's 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 always like that. There's always that balance of kind of going at it alone, going against the grain, um, but then also belonging. And it's mm. that kind of like tightrope walk of like wanting to be with your people but also wanting to do things for yourself and sometimes what you want to do for yourself isn't what others are doing for themselves and sometimes like what other people are doing is the same as you know what what they're all doing and you're just that one person that stands out and that's not a bad thing and that's what I, I really want to emphasize to young people that's not a bad thing you know um, if you want to apply to the United States and study there absolutely possible don't let the statistic the st statistics you know get you down because it can absolutely happen 52,000 people applied to Yale last year and only 2,200 got in and you know as, as one of those people it's like it's it's just crazy you know like four percent just over four percent of people got accepted that applied um and so you know I think actually New Zealanders as well have a really like big advantage especially I, I emphasize to Pacifica as well we have such a like a raw experience here in New Zealand I mean me as a half cast like you know being being European being being Tongan and, and quite you know heavily like my mum is British and my dad is full Tongan it's like I, I was raised mostly by my mum so I've like one thing I hinted to in my essay was like the fact that I've walked along like two shores of my identity because it's like I've I, you know I've, I've kind of like come to terms with the fact of like me being British and Tongan and also like the external side of people like trying to like you know ascribe to me what I am telling me what I am and you know it's 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 hard when you know you're a young person trying to figure out who you are you know when people are trying to tell you what you are and it's like you know no that's that's not it so it's it's just it's right. it's a challenge and it's hard for young people and where, where this is an advantage for us wanting to apply to the states the one thing about the states is that they love stories that stand out um and so in any way possible if you can stand out in your essay and in your application and you lay your heart out and you just lay yourself out on the table for them in that piece of paper you know that can be the difference between a yes and no the other thing that like totally shocked me about the yale admission process was that four out of five of the people that sit around the table that admit so it's a round table not everyone actually gets put on the table and discussed but the people who they're really really keen on admitting gets get discussed around the table now for someone to get admitted it has to be at least four out of five of the people have to vote yes around the table to get you admitted so your your story has to like 
touch the hearts of these people by like, you know, 80, 80%, 80% of the people in that room you have to touch the hearts of in your story. And, you know, there's, there's, I think, a div- with the people that have approached me asking me about how to get in, uh, there's no doubt that like there's such rich and raw stories in their life experiences so far that can be told that I think would absolutely stand out. And, you know, no doubt I, there are going to be some really more, like there's going to be way more great people from, from this country that are going to go overseas and do great things. Um, and, you know, I, I, I hope I'm not the last one that, that gets this opportunity to go to Yale. Um, and, you know, there are other people that I've met from my year that are going to other universities and they're amazing people as well. Um, so it's just a matter of passing on our wisdom and making sure that it keeps going. Cause you know, there's, there's more people out in those communities that deserve to, to experience this, to experience what I'm going to experience. Yeah. And that's always tricky. Just thinking about how full on, cause I imagine Previous generations, like every generation, they try their best given the circumstances. Sometimes in the midst of trying to pursue whatever ambition they have, it can be really hard to work towards that ambition and at the same time keep the door open and pass on the knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like everyone, we all try our best to do that, but it's really hard to do to to juggle that sort of balance between giving back to the up and coming generation and going out there and doing it for yourself. Yeah. Really fascinating um, insight too, just in terms of the process of, yeah, yeah, yeah getting into yeah. Yale. So, I mean, I, like, just to sum that all up, don't take no for an answer. Like, full send it and just see what happens, you know, like. See what happens. Yeah, like You know, there, there is, because who would have known if I didn't, if I, like, ignored my feelings at the time? And here I am, like, just sitting here wondering what happened if I applied. And that, I think that was my biggest fear. That was what my fear was at the time. That was what actually made me give it a try. Because I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I realised that if I didn't apply, if I just didn't apply then or didn't give it a go, that, you know, I'm, I'm totally missing out on an opportunity. Mm. And that's a lot of what I've done. And I'm no doubt what Bile's done. It's been about taking opportunity as it comes. Um, and, and, you know not not wanting to live with the oh what happens if i what would have happened if i did take it you know um but that comes with sacrifice um Mm. i got a really nice job offer earlier in the year um i actually got sent the contract 15 minutes before i got accepted into yale um i got offered a job um with the new zealand herald news hub um the pacific media network and tiao maori news to be a journalism cadet with them for a year full time um so, yeah, so it was a, like a paid full-time one-year contract and then at the end of it I would have gotten offered a job I don't actually know whether I can tell people that but like you, <laughs> you know tell us tell us <laughs> but like you know yeah but I mean because it's underway now but it, it's called it's called Tirito but you know like it was a it was a full-time paid one-year contract to to work with one of these four media outlets in New Zealand and then by the end of it you would get a job in one of them um and journalism has always been the career passion for mine so um I was talking about it with my mum last night, actually, because I said to her, I was like, you know, I, I, the the week before I found out that I got in, I was actually, I'd only like turned 18 a few weeks before that. Um, this is like back in March. And um, I'm like walking, like, this is like 11 o'clock at night at the viaduct. And I'm like walking and I call my mum at like 11.30 at night. And I'm like, mum, you know, if I get that job, maybe I won't go to the States. 
and like at that point she was like she's like oh really like <laughs> and she was like oh that's you know that's like a good like because I, I wanted to email them and tell them like I emailed because I had an interview the night before and I emailed them and I was like um, oh, I would be happy to stay in New Zealand and take this job offer instead of going to the United States. And this is a very lovely lady, Lois. Um, she's a she's a like a boss at, at NZME, um, very lovely lady, and I'm still in contact with her to this day. But she said to me in a responding email, she was like, "Thank you for that. You know, you you sealed the deal when you were interviewed, so no doubt that you're going to get a position. But you know, really think about what you're saying. You know, because you're you could." you know, deny an opportunity to go to an Ivy League. Um, but it was all kind of hinged on the scholarship because if I didn't get a full ride, I wouldn't be able to afford it, so I wouldn't go. Um, and I did say to my I do remember now I said to my mum on the phone, I was like, I'd be able to live with myself if I can say I got accepted but didn't end up going just because I couldn't afford it. Um, would have been unfortunate, but in hindsight, it would have just been, it would have just been something that I would have to live with because, you know, no money couldn't afford it um and I wasn't willing on willing to take on three quarters of a million dollars in debt because that's how much my four-year degree is going to cost at Yale it's going to cost around 750 to 800 thousand dollars and that's just money we don't have so mm. you know that that's like selling a house um but yeah like that was that was one opportunity I had to decline um as I as I had to you know face taking on this new opportunity um so yeah there is there is sacrifice um, and you know, when you're kind of got a lot of pimples in the face, got a lot of like, I think I got a gray hair as well, like from over that period of time, <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, like it, it was, a, it was a stressful time and no doubt, you know, for other people who, who, you know, it was, it was just an extraordinary time too. Cause it's like, I either go to university, I go to AUT I, or I become a journalist, like a proper journalist with the New Zealand media. Or I go to an Ivy League. Like it was, it was like three like different options, and they all like were just crazy, you know, like contrasting them to one another. Um, and so, you know, going back, that was just a really extraordinary time in my life. And I think reflecting now, it's it's just you know about sacrifice. It's about deciding what is best for you. Um, and you know, sometimes the most out of the world option, which is you know out of this country option, <laughs> is is the best one. Um, but yeah, just just making sure you have your ducks in the row is probably like the other important part from that story. Jeez, man, I'm just astounded, EJ. I'm, I'm just astounded by the courage and the sense of discipline that you guys have. Obviously, bow international student, and obviously you go to the Ivy League. And I'm going to be an international yeah, student. International student, international student well. too. You're leaving, you're leaving as well. And so, bro, that's just it's just crazy. I love that you, you grab the um, the bull by the horns and just said, you know, I'm just back myself and just going to go and just go with, and go with it. Otherwise, grab the horse by its yeah. tail. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, the horse by its tail. But I love it. I love that you, you, you've done that because uh, uh, you know the last thing you want to do is kind of look back and regret. Oh man, I should have. I could have done it. I, sh- I should have yeah. done it. And it's, 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 it's interesting. And it, and if we can just go back to because I like um, you talk about struggles and you talk about hardships and sacrifice. Obviously, back in um, in high school, because you guys were quite a unique cohort in terms of the pandemic, COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. so forth, and and uh, all the, um, the the challenges. Both of you guys had boys. Um, Brotherford College, uh, Rutherford High, and um, Wesley College, eh? Yeah. So please, can you can you tell us um, in your own words with um, tell Jay and myself and all of the challenges, all of the struggles in this real peculiar and unique time um, as, as um, head boy and, and as, as leaders? You go, pal. <laughs> 
that's much more much fun. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I think yeah, twenty twenty COVID times obviously, and I just started at Wesley College. I joined January. My parents, my whole family came and dropped me off in Wesley College beginning first day, all dressed up, and then they dropped me off. And then I was still I was like fifteen at the time, still pretty immature. And the night they left, I cried, and in my sleep cried myself to sleep because like that's the first time I was away from home for so long but I was hopeful that because I, I was going to go home in April for the school holidays then lockdown and then that's just when things just went that's when things just went boom boom bye <laughs> and it's, I already had my ticket for April and then when they, when, the day, when they announced the lockdown that night I just swore to the chapel I faced directly to the chapel I swore I was like that's the last time I ever swore in school in front of everyone <laughs> but I think that definitely alongside the struggles of you know online learning there was you know you you sort of detach yourself it was even like the past three years 2020 2022 online learning was still a thing and still is now and i think you the more you adapt to it it's like you're detaching yourself from everything there is in the outside world i think the biggest struggle for me was sort of discipline like 2020 i was online i was a straight excellent student my academics were booming off the charts i well, i topped my class almost all of my classes that year there's only about three or four of us that were actually top in year 11 same with last year and i think the same um i resonate with sort of what andre said i wasn't towards the last two years of school i even though i was head student I, my academics were not where i wanted to be i think that was the biggest struggle as well like getting your ducks in a row is you sort of, now that I'm in uni, you realize just where you could have worked better. I think there's a struggle as well going through the past three years. Like, yeah, 2020, lockdown. 2021, flu season, lockdown. Everyone's just still back and forth. And for me at Wesley, like, it was a, it was a circus, 2021 and 2022, and with all the media stuff as well. And I think it sort of gets to you as well. Um, especially for me last year being head prefect was trying to make sure that it wouldn't affect any of us. And, but it still did. Like last year, my academics went down. I was, you'd expect a head prefect to be re relieving school values, but I was pretty much wagging classes, hiding. And my academics started showing where I was. And I think it's one of the benefits, not benefits, like one of the benefits slash consequences of being in lockdown and how the, we struggled through the past three years, especially in terms of, you know, building social relationships, mental health. It was a crisis the past three years. Still is now. I've, I still talk to people who are struggling to sort of assimilate back into social life outside of online learning, and and they still continue at uni, which is pretty onto it if that's a word um but i think the biggest struggle for me was yeah getting my ducks in the row and now if, even in uni i'm still trying to figure it out as i go even though i'm doing a whole lot of stuff on the side it's being able to what's the word prioritize that's the biggest struggle because um with the past few years you had everything laid out for you uh online learning they posted your Google Classrooms. And that's sort of how we, I think for Andre, and also for Andre, for me, it was 
that's how I built my discipline along the way was holding myself accountable for what I was doing. Even last year, even though I fell and even though I dropped on a whole lot of aspects of what I was doing, it was just holding yourself accountable and kept keep trying to bring yourself up. And you won't, you might not end up bringing, going back to where you were wanted to be or you were where you were in the first place. Like last year, year 13, I wanted to be, I tried to get myself back to where I was in year 11 with all my big grades, good grades, great attendance, back to class. But I think in terms of taking over a big role, I sort of get got lost in all of it. And you talked to my last year deputy principal, she'll tell, say, tell you the same thing. I was all over everywhere except for my classes. And it really affected how I was and how I got into uni as well. Um, to be fair, like, I love AUT right now, but UOA was my first option. <laughs> and um, I think it's just because, you know, you University of Auckland, you hear a lot yeah. of, about it, and especially if I wanted to get into law, but law wasn't even my first option. I was I was on an engineering path when I was in year 11. Science, I, I aced most of my science classes. Um, I was in tech, <coughs> English. Uh, year 12, I did biology, chemistry, physics, math, um, calculus, all in for engineering. It was until end of 2021 when i was like what if i wanted to do more of service and that's when i was getting more into um me being in service but what was i get <laughs> um what was i saying yes uh 2021 sort of getting more into what i want to be and it was like later in 2021 when i actually told my parents maybe i don't want to be an engineer maybe i want to be a lawyer or something into service or public policy which I am doing now, and, and as you know, I'm doing law. But then I've planned to do engineering after. And I think, again, back to the struggles of COVID and being students that started NCEA through COVID is prioritizing, but also same theme we were talking about earlier, finding your grounding in where society is going right now because it's changing. It's constantly changing. Before it was, it was changing at a slow pace, but now everything's just fast-paced where you either conform to this or you're left out. And it's, I think it really affected, well, obviously the Tai Tai Ole Moana student leaders, but I'd like to think that it did affect a lot of others as well. And Andre is like a great example of how a lot of um, student leaders would, would have wanted to be last year. And a whole lot of them would, but then you also have those that, you know, struggled a lot and, still are trying to find processing what happened last year and in the past three years and like for me i'm shocked at how i made it through three years of new zealand education um being homesick and like everyone got to see their families in the three years i didn't even uh, the only time i got to see my family was over zoom calls or um messenger calls and i think for me personally that whole time period that I want to forget, don't want to go back to it. It did a lot on me mentally because I missed out on a lot of things. Uh, my older brother gave birth to three kids. I missed all their births. I missed a lot of first birthdays. I missed a lot of um, funerals, family, like close family friends who passed away. Um, I missed my granddad's um, 74th birthday. Um, he's moving on to 76 now, which is great because we all want to see him reach 80. And, um, and it's those things too, like 
COVID really did a lot on a whole lot of aspects of our lives, church, um, church, academics, social life. And I think we've come to the point where we want to forget it so much that we're just trying to get distracted by all of these things. And I think that's, that's one of my guilty, it's my guilty conscience at the back of my head as to why I want to, I'm doing all these things is I do not want to be back in the place where I was so helpless that I couldn't be with people that I loved or people that I knew. And that's still what I am today. Like I'm trying to find any excuse to go back to Fiji during the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, especially now, like my granddad's getting old and I just want to be with more with family. Like my brothers, my, my nieces and nephews, my niece, she's turning three or four this year. My nephews are turning two and one. And it's just, it's those times you don't want to miss. And it gets affected as well with your academics. Like you want to bring it back up. But then also like relationships, connections, it affects a lot, especially in the past three years. Man. I think, yeah. And I think the biggest takeaway from that uh, for the past three years and the biggest struggle for me was knowing, like finding out how to get your family in, involved. Whether it be, you know, social life, yeah. academics is tell people as difficult as it, as it can be. And we hear it a lot, like tell people your struggles. It's... It's all about coming out of this shell. A single word be like, I need help. That's yeah. that's how I started. Like I, I just talked to my counselor at at the time and I was like, I need someone to talk to you and here I am now. Man, Paul. Right. It's interesting, Paul, because a lot of people during that time during lockdown, um, they would have been spending time with their families, you know, mm-hmm. lockdown. Oh great, I'm spending some quality time with my family. But you, you um you brother, because you, you talk about not spending time. You missed a lot of stuff in terms of birthdays, um, celebrations yeah. um, with, with family and so forth. But bro, there, there would have been, um, in spite of all the negativity during the lockdowns and, and mm-hmm. COVID, there would have been some, some real character building for you. Character building, but also resilience. And bro, that's, kudos to you, man, because that would have been very hard to play, on, especially on, around in the mind, like, man, what am I doing? <laughs> Look at you now, you're in AUT, you're studying law. Um, very well spoken, bro, and um, very very talented young man. So, thank you, bro. That's that's incredible. That's really incredible. Mm. Andre, tell us how. Stay the, tell us the, oh, yeah. it was the challenges in terms of um, COVID even, in yeah. school. COVID even in the school, school, like yeah. yeah I, I mean, you know, it, year thirteen. There were periods of time where I was like, "What the heck are you doing?" Because like, <laughs> you know, I think there were times where I did get a bit sidetracked and distracted, just like everyone else did, and that was. On top of the fact that people were actually getting sick last year from COVID, like, you know, there was like that that period of time in the beginning of the year where it was really weird because we were still at school, but only partly at school because there weren't enough teachers because everyone was getting sick and all the kids were getting sick, um, including me. Like, you know, I, I got COVID at the beginning of the year. Um, and so, you know, like, it was just a really weird period of time. Like... Um, on top of that, it was navigating being a head boy, like, because, you know, you don't necessarily get given a handbook on how to do it, even though we did, because that, that's a Rutherford tradition. Um, yeah, it's been given, we get, actually get given like a head boy book that's been passed on since like 2007. Um, I've actually got to write my bit in it before I leave, so I'm actually going to work on that over the next week. Um, and so, you know, like, there's there's that, there was that, like, no, navigating how to how to be a leader 
in school um and you know there were those little internal struggles that we had just trying to establish the the dynamic of our leadership team um just because it was a whole fresh team we haven't we didn't really work with each other um and there were like some like i guess challenges that we did have to iron out mm-hmm. in the beginning of the year um so i think the, the, there was that that we had to overcome um then obviously there was there was the covid aspect of it but mm. come the come the end of the year it was more just the fatigue because i think we all got really tired and you know by the end of the year i was exhausted i was like you know this is you know this is a lot i need just like a break and i need like time away so i, I think you know as, as sad as i was to leave high school for the last time you know it was it was well due because i think it was a very very tiring year um and you know, like Bal said, I, I don't think I did as well as I wanted to uh, in terms of my academics. Um, you know, I think the NZQA exams were a bit of a letdown for me um, in terms of in terms of my results. But nonetheless, like walked away and kind of like just took the trophy and mm. and was like, you know, I, I did well with what circumstances I faced. Because you know, at the end of the day, I, I got ducks as well. You know, I, I got ducks. I was here, boy. Um, you know, I, I had gotten the accolades and I could, had gotten the recognition for my hard work up until that point. Um, and no one could take away, take it away from me at that point. So, um, as much as I was, you know, somewhat disappointed in myself. Um, and that's go, that goes with saying that I'm, I'm very hard on myself at like the best of times. So, um, you know, at, at times where I'm like at a low, I can, I can be like unreasonably hard on myself. And sometimes I've just got to shake myself and be like, you know, it's fine just just look at what you've done um and that kind of goes with forgetting what what you know you you do um that i i guess like you know it was it was a challenging time um and it was you know looking back at it was memorable i i got a lot of growth out of it but i you know i don't think i've i think i haven't grown like faster in any other period of my life than over the past year because i think mm-hmm especially from like this time last year, I've, I've grown a lot and changed a lot to the person that I am today. Um, and, you know, I think it, it was a great experience being, being head boy because um, I was, I was able to connect with, with some really, really amazing people um, both from other schools and, and in my school. And, you know, I, I can really say that I have like, you know, lifelong friends and associates who I, who I can contact um, and who I know will be in really high places like the United Nations um chirpal but you know like <laughs> <Are> you <sure? laughs> so you know like you know it's it's just great to to be associated with such an amazing cohort of people um and call them my friends and, and my folks and it's 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 great um and you know they all kind of become part of your village of, of the people that shape you and influence you um so on top of the muck that was COVID that affected you know the last three years of my high school education um it did get a bit lonely here and there, but I think actually academically I did flourish being able to have a level of independence and sovereignty in terms of how I could learn because um, I, I actually quite liked, um, you know, and, and this isn't a very popular or common opinion, but it's like, you know, I enjoyed being at home and actually having control over how I learnt because... Um, not necessarily did I thrive in a classroom environment or in, a, in an exam setting. Um, and so I think actually COVID gave me like a good opportunity to kind of like harness this new, this new and like foreign way of learning and like do well with it. Um, and, you know, I think that was like why I did, 
you know, so well in year 12, like I got 124 excellence credits and that was just all excellence. And I did scholarship English, which is a year 13 thing in year 12 and I got it. Um, and like, you know, on top of that, like it, it contributed to my level three as well because I was doing level three subjects and like, you know, I did a university paper in the beginning of last year as well in year 13 um, in politics and international relations. Um, so, it, you know, it was constant extension, academic extension on top of the, the challenge of COVID. But um, I guess the one marvel about all of us here right now is that we got through it <laughs> and we have a lot of reflection and experience from it as a result. Um, and I think it does still continue to shape what we're what we're doing today. Oh man, just just a thought, um, brothers, because you obviously you got these new leaders coming up, all these yep. new lead, current leaders who are in your in your in your respective high schools. What are some of the things in terms of some of the processes you wish or they they would have in place for these current leaders in, in your schools right now? In terms of obviously they've been affected by COVID themselves. But what are some of the processes you would hope that you probably didn't get? Are they able to, to, to have it in, in, in your, your schools? Well, I think just actually knowing, knowing like what what to do, like, you know, how, how do you navigate being a leader? Um, and that's a, that's a really, really layered question because there's so many factors to it that you need to consider. So, you know, I, I think first of all, how, how to be a leader, um, how to establish dynamics, um, but also how to overcome like some of those little like specific challenges that, you know, prefects alike can can all come together and, and say, yeah, we've experienced that. Um, and so, you know, like with, with the work that Bao and I have been doing with, with Taitai Olemoana, like, you know, it was, it was, you know, kind of the, op- the golden opportunity to kind of collate all our experiences from across Auckland and, um, and, and from across different backgrounds and perspectives and different dynamics as well um, to to try and develop something that would um, be able to, to be delivered to, to high school students and to school leaders and to Pacifica school leaders and kind of be like, yeah, this is this is our experience. It's shaped this module and this resources is shaped by our experience, which you will, will likely have too. Um and this is, you know, how we went about it. And this is how we think, you know, you can learn from what, what we did. Um, and I think that's very valuable because that's what we didn't have. Um, and so, you know, it, it's a great opportunity to, to deliver something that can be passed down and, and hopefully be held on to within, within the schools and within the communities that it gets delivered to. Um, and hopefully it, it if positively affects the, the prefects that it's delivered to in a way where, they learn something from it. They can pass it down. Um, I mean, we're a bit late into the year now, but hopefully, it, like like I said, it gets passed down um, and and becomes something that that is the norm. Um, that there is more of a clear cut idea of of what needs to be done, um, especially in challenging times um, and with the different scenarios that you might be faced with. Nice. Well, I think good, man. <laughs> I think it's definitely like Andre was saying was there wasn't a clear guide on how to navigate leadership. And even though you had had prefects, had boys, had girls, and definitely for us at Wesley, although we had had prefects, had boys, had girls before us, we didn't really have like a, a soundboard on where we can bounce off leadership styles and um, experiences where we can learn from. And I think that that's a good thing as well with one thing I took away and one thing I wish was available when I was a prefect was 
how to navigate situations because school even though you're a prefect in school the moment you get that badge everyone just changes subconsciously everyone just changes their views about you they just put you into a spot where oh i'm not going to be friends with them anymore i won't talk to them as much because they're they're prefect and there's you wouldn't expect it but there's way too much politics in the prefect role and there's so much that happens that shouldn't even be happening for high school students that are meant to be developing their leadership not taking on responsibilities that should be the responsibilities of adults like for me last year it was a whole lot of um making sure that whatever we were doing was uh being sort of on a, on a right path cuz I'm pretty sure we've all heard about what's been going with Wesley College and late 2021 2022 for me last year uh, as senior prefect my personal goal was making sure that these students these juniors they all knew that there was someone looking out for them or that us as leaders we developed ourselves to make sure that we could be where that we where we are now was based off where they were when we were juniors and it's sort of and something that i wished but for me it's different cuz like i was saying earlier i started in year 11 so i didn't have the whole year 9 10 11 12 13 um experience where i had to find myself within the school i sort of just push myself in there and especially for especially in year 12 and 13 one thing i i would love to see that we can see now is how to navigate the different aspects of being a student leader and with Taitai Olemoana as the modules and the lessons we take from that maybe the prefix can apply to everyone in their life like passing it on to someone like from another module um is salusalu uh for Fiji salusalu something you wear and it's an analogy of you wear that leadership you wear what you make of your leadership and what you build and then you gift it to someone else when you go on and it's one of i think that's one of a great aims without taitaiole moana um program is all these styles the modules we built was something we went through ourselves and with these definitely more prefects out there who are going through similar things um and, and second thing as well as um conflict management like i said school has way too much politics for prefects than there should be and there's a lot of conflict manage- management there should be student student and student or staff and student and somehow prefects just caught up, get caught up in all of it for some reason because of the badge and i see the point of it but it comes to the point where why are you involving a student leader in a situation where it's a staff and a staff like because they're affecting the students yeah. if they like you're affecting the students by what you're doing and um Yeah. Oh, we have our experiences <laughs> we, that, we we have yeah, our experiences and yeah. uh well, tell, tell us tell, tell, tell us, tell us Bob. Well, cause, cause what, it'd be interesting to hear what's the most challenging um incident at the, as as um head boys and and as leaders what was the most challenging for you guys and how did you guys overcome it oh having my badge threatened like to be taken off of me over something that i wasn't i know. think it's a universal problem with yeah. a lot of prefixes yeah, like, they threaten you to take your badge or there's a coup attempt to take you yeah. off your position yeah so like you know being being threatened for my position for something that you know i wasn't guilty of doing mm. um you know i i don't want to fully go into detail and on what what it was just because it involves like other 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 people that are like still in like just a circle but you know like it, it was just a very contentious com- conflicting issue that that involved politics just because there were people that it, that were so close in in the school leadership team um and and it was unfortunate um but 
you know, it was just a, a matter of ha- having no idea how to navigate that, you know. Um, but you know what? Like on the other side of it, looking back, it was pretty stupid. Like <laughs> what? what all, and it was all pretty childish type of stuff. But for some reason, teachers love taking that stuff really, really seriously. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's like, it, it's unfortunate, but it, it adds unnecessary stress to your school life, especially as a, mm. as a teenager trying to balance your grades, be a leader, and then have, you know, these teachers that are getting really, really upset over some really, really like mundane, weird, like little things like schoolyard fights, you know, getting really, really upset about that, um, and how it affects the school's image, you know, like... It's 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 crazy because it's like, okay, me being seventeen at the time, how the hell am I supposed to like fix that? You know, mm. I've got the gold badge that says head boy on it. It doesn't say like fixer of problems, does it? Sub Bob the builder, like and, it, and then, of yeah, yeah, like like and it, I did get one hundred and fifty dollars at the end of the year for being a head boy, but mm. nowhere in like an employment contract did it say like you have to like fix the school or like you know it did say you represent the ethos of the school you know but that doesn't mean oh is the ethos of the school to fix things that suddenly go wrong like you know that that wasn't my job um but you know criticism was like one whole thing as well so that that's like one like level of our experience that we tried to layer into Mm. into this the side that i take in terms of you know the module Um, that I'm delivering is about kind of integrating all the values and and experience of the whole workshop from the other prefects and kind of delivering like these situations or these scenarios that they may be faced with Um, and like no better than like bow and I for like scenarios (laughs) so you know we can be pretty creative or just base them off of what we faced Um, but you know it's 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 it is like one way I think that we can like you know create real positive mm. balanoa over the the situations that that may be faced and obviously we're more than halfway into the year now so the prefects that we actually go with with the work that we've done so far they already may have stories of what they faced that they can come forth with and actually add it to the work that we've already done um and so you know that's the other thing it's just about you know critiquing the whole experience um and critiquing the the different experiences that are faced as well. Um, Cause you know, it's forever changing um, and there's always new issues. Um, and, you know, I, I wonder now, like we had COVID last year and now we've got, you know, endless strikes with, with teachers, you know, not being at school. We have climate change keeping us off the roads and, and stopping us from, from going to school. So it's like, honestly, who knows where it's going to go next year. Um, yeah. But that's just like one hour, like one little bit of experience from from our from yeah. our golden wow. time. Wow, man! Good <laughs> man. Honestly, so fascinating to hear. And obviously, just for the record, so I'm a teacher. I teach teacher intermediate school out in Papakura, um, and it's oh, part of me is like. Tell them, tell them, Jay. Tell them, tell them. <laughs> tell them, tell them. <laughs> Probably not the school that I'm working at now, wink, wink. No, it's not, it's not. <laughs> but um, there are a lot of politics around, like, things like head boy, head girl. Um, mm. And 
you know, teachers do often get caught up on the smallest things. They're just, it's such a waste of time and resource. It frustrates me to no end. Um, and so sometimes I think I love teaching. I love teaching the kids. I want to be able to influence curriculum one day. And I do things that to me make sense. I do things a little bit differently in my class and that's cool. But it doesn't always get accepted by people who have an image to maintain to the public. And that frustrates me. All that sort of stuff, honestly, is to me personally, I just think there's a lot of pointless stuff mm. um, that gets that muddies the waters of education. And it's no wonder education is stagnant. I feel like when you look at how other industries have evolved over time, and then you look at education, and it's it baffles me. And now I now that I'm in it, I understand why things move so slowly, but it frustrates me to no end. So I'm like, I got a scholarship for getting my degree and I've got to teach like six years. And so my goal is like, I'm using these six years as my research years so that when I finish, I'm like, go back to do further study. I want to start a business and just like, it gets used a lot, but like, you know, change, transform, whatever it is, but just, I want to change education one day and hearing you guys voice some of these experiences because it's you know these experiences uh you've lived it and if you've both experienced it you're not the only ones who have clearly so i just think it's really awesome to hear you guys talk about this stuff and to know that you guys are able to help and talk to other leaders who are coming up and going through it but it frustrates me and hearing that i'm like man it just lights a fire in me like damn i can't wait to just yeah. wipe this system yeah you could get like bleach and just like, <laughs> like just, <laughs> zoop, just <laughs> clean slate yeah honestly so just oh, not like, not whitewash yeah. because it's already whitewashed but you know <laughs> like just clean like it's not, it's not built like well, clean, you know polish it <laughs> out of curiosity just because you know i've always had this idea that like oh man you know i want to be that teacher that it really makes a difference and did things differently and when you think about your own experiences is there a teacher that you remember your really fond memories of who did things a bit differently and maybe you learned something from them that wasn't just english from the english teacher but like something some real nugget of like just life wisdom where you're like i liked it oh, what? i'm gonna take that i think i think it was i mean she she was my english teacher in in year 13 and she was my media studies oh no she was my english teacher in year 12 and my media studies teacher last year um and you know just besides her being my teacher she we would have like really really just great like life conversations um and you know she she's like this love she's probably watching this now hi miss patanza <laughs> you know, shout out um you know she she's like this this lovely like feminist woman who has like these like amazing perspectives and like i think just from from my world she's like it's, it, she was one of those teachers that really opened up your eyes to like just new things and new ideas um and i think like both that i think that just that level that level of education i think is so rich just to have those type of converse types of conversations with with someone who's who's so educated and so well versed within within like mm-hmm. the different topics that you're discussing so i think you know she miss patanza was like one one great shaper of, of whole my, my whole perspective and i'm still in contact with her i interviewed her for a uni assignment with aut last semester um and funnily enough that was about the teacher strikes um 
And so like, you know, just, just getting her whole like industry perspective, being part of the PPTA um, and actually being like the heart of a lot of the strikes. It's, it's like, it was really eye opening once again. Um, and yeah, like, I think it's, it's teachers like that, which I think are very, very valuable for students. Um, and also she always gave like other students a place to belong in, in the classroom as well. Like I remember she'd always just bring other people who weren't even in her class, who were just wagging other classes into her class and add them to her role. Um, so like, you know, like it, it was, she was just great um, and, and made the whole experience quite enjoyable. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's like teachers that, they aren't as political or aren't as the rule book says this but you know like get that understand it like and for me it was I, I'd say two because I because I came from Fiji and then I came to New Zealand at Wesley College um, so I've, um, at my school in Fiji it was a 90 Christian community school um, so it was a Christian school private and I um, I like to say I, I went to school with a lot of um, industry type kids and I love them to this day I still keep in contact with them I think the one teacher from there that really set me up in terms of how I was getting ready to move to New Zealand, but also how I still am today is, uh, her name is Miss Rokolava. Um, I'll, I'll probably send this, uh, I'll probably send it to her as well. Um, but like she's pretty much the same as um, on, uh, Andre's teacher was, she always let me into her classroom. Like I, I, I grew up with her. She was my class, my teacher for like three different year levels. And they came to the point where one year, well, they well, they moved us out, and she and she was teaching year thirteens. I was in year ten at the time. I was pretty much one of her year thirteens because almost every other period, I'll be in her classroom, just sitting at her table and just doing my work there. And I always made up excuses just to see her. Um, but for her, it was more academics. She really helped me bring up my academics, but also how I was personally. Um, and so, like, she's a she's a God fearing woman who loves her kids. She she practically adopted all her students. Um, and she should be proud right now. Like she has students that are all over the world, US, UK, Fiji, New Zealand, Australia, Singapore. We're all spread out and we was and we're all telling her now, Miss, you should come visit us. Ma'am, you should come see us here. And it's she was the type of person she is still is the type of person and I still keep in contact with her. She's the type of person who always treats you like you are. Like, you know, these I love my teachers, but you know sometimes teachers get too caught up in you have to do your work, you have to do this. Like they don't see you for who you are and what struggles you go through personally and what experiences you've been with. And a lot of these teachers, they when you when you tell them your personal stories, they actually take it and gossip with it with their teachers. And that was something that I saw as well when I came over. Is teachers' staff rooms here? It's Hot center. I'm not, I'm not sure about you, no, but no. Uh, I feel like, so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm always in the class. The kids come, we hang out. Yeah, like <laughs> it's it's those type of teachers that I loved, that I grew on, love growing up with, and I really respect is those that teach you like you are a kid, or those that treat you like your your age, and they bring themselves down to you. And Miss Rocco, um, she really made me the person that I, that I was going into Wesley. And it's those lessons that I still take with me. Like, I, we still keep in contact with her. She still um, checks in every now and then. We all, when we go Fiji, we try to surprise her sometimes. And she's like a mom teacher. <laughs> and that's her. And then when I came to New Zealand, um, I was pretty much a teacher's pet in my final two years. And, and anyone can actually confirm I was 
of uh, most of the teachers I was a teacher's pet. Um, but the I think the two teachers that were in Wesley was um, my chemistry teacher at the time, uh, Miss Vaike, and my careers teacher, uh, Miss Fatia, Mrs. Fatia Lofa. Um, and so Miss Fatia Lofa was like the aunt that always told you to come by and. And she always made it, she she made it pretty obvious that I was like her favorite student because she called me out when I'm in classroom to come to her room or she let me hide in her classroom when I didn't want to be anywhere or when things got too heavy for me she let me hide there. Uh, Miss Vicky was my chemistry teacher year twelve year thirteen, even though I didn't do well in her class she still sort of treated us as we were students, and and we all called her mom in year twelve and thirteen and. She took care of us. Like every time we came into classroom, still taught us curriculum, but she made it an environment where you're able to learn as you want to. And and it's just, I think the one thing I took from both uh, Miss uh, Miss Fatiolofa and Miss Vaiky was their, because I think because their parents as well, it's how they that's how they built their teaching styles, and it's something that really affected us and for me as well. Those two ladies, oh, those three women, Miss Rokolava, Miss Vatilofa, Miss Vaiki, I think those are the three most influential ladies, apart from my mom. Those are the three most influential ladies in my education and that have really built me up in terms of character. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. again, it comes back to how they treat you as you are. And by that, I mean, you tell them what you've been through and then they sort of like die down. And you still keep in contact with like Miss Vaike, love her to death, and we st- we still call her mom to this day. I might I'm actually I'm actually going to school next week, but you can cut that up. But yeah, <laughs> we're leaving we're leaving this. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but yeah, I promised because uh, I uh, off topic. I wore a ball suit, uh, a customized ball suit, and I gave her my coat. It's like this big fancy dress coat, uh, custom made, and I promised it to her. So I'm gonna go drop it off to her next week because she said she loved it. So. I think it's just little little connections you built along the way, and it's that's how you have students who graduated twenty years on that still come to see that teacher. It's because that teacher made a big difference. As as unknown as it is, that teacher made all the difference in how they function as a person. And yeah, that's cool. I'm happy. That, I'm happy that you've had you've had some significant teachers that have mm. been more positive. And uh, we're quite fortunate. We're quite blessed that in our midst we have a teacher here. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Jay's. Um, I love what that Jay's talking about uh, making some implementing some positive change and transformation into in our schools. And um, but just I need to ask you guys, uh, what's the what's the one thing when it's all said and done, when you've finished your your degrees, uh, and whether you guys want to carry on with your masters or your PhDs and so forth. What's the one hope? What's the one hope and the legacy that you want to implement and transform in terms of you as an individual, but also um, in terms of making change in in, in the, the in the world? Andre, <laughs> me. All right. Sorry, I was just like halfway through a yawn. Um, but yeah, I think that's a hard question to answer because I don't even know like where I'm going to be just after I I graduate. Um, you know, I, I'm tossing and turning on whether I want to actually do law, maybe, like, because that's always been, like, one alley I've I've been interested in. I've been asked whether I've wanted to get into politics, um, undecided, unsure. I don't think that I'm I'm well-rounded enough. Well, I'm not personally able to get involved in 
in politics just just because of the nature of it and i think i'm better off just kind of i'm better off stirring the pot as a journalist than i am stirring a pot as a politician because if you stir the pot as a politician you lose your job um (laughs) so like you know just just as an example of recent events um but you know it's my legacy i hope is one um that is meaningful in terms of what other people can learn from it um from my background um and i hope they look at you know what they've learned about me through maybe this podcast because you know i've shared stuff on here that i haven't shared in other news interviews because they haven't really given me the opportunity to to answer that it's always been very like um super i guess superficial um with the whole interest of me getting into yale but not the background behind it um and so it's great for me to actually have the opportunity to share that um so like yeah i think just I want someone to get meaning out of out of it out of my my experience and my past and hopefully you know stencil what they want to do stencil their legacy stencil their path stencil what they want to do um I I don't fully know what what my legacy actually means or what I like fully will be but I hope that it is success um (laughs) I've been told by um by a Yale alum from New Zealand that going to going to to where I'm going doesn't guarantee you success, but it means you won't fail. Um, so I guess like that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. It's kind of like what is what is my success? Um, what does that look like? Because you know, on the one hand, there is that dream um, where you know I I live in New York City. I own like this beautiful apartment. I I'm a journalist. At, you know my dream media outlet or I have my own show um, and I get to talk about all the things that are important to to the people that I'm delivering you know my show to um, and I get paid to do what I enjoy uh, or I get I get paid to do what I enjoy um, so like you know it's it's that whole thing um, but yeah like yeah I, I honestly I honestly don't know it's like I'm, I'm honestly like envisioning um because Yale was a dream getting into an American university was a dream but here I am and it's it's reality so honestly you know owning owning a nice apartment in New York City and having my dream career maybe isn't quite so a dream but maybe is only four or five years away once mm-hmm. I graduate and that's what I hope um but no doubt you know I'll be back here in New Zealand at some point um definitely over my degree while I study but um you know I think I think it is worth acknowledging that New Zealand is a hard place for young people today um and so you know I I don't blame young people who want to get out um get out there and and experience new things and that's the position that I'm in at the moment um but you know no doubt I I will come back and I will implement some change on on my people here because I think I owe it to them um, and and that's definitely what what I want to do. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Awesome, Andre. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, but I think yeah, hopeful to see Andre leading his own show, possibly Fox News. <laughs> no, not Fox. <laughs> Heck, not Fox. <laughs> um, but I think for me, uh, the one thing I want to leave behind, um, and I'm still working on it today. I, I based it around one theme: is hello. Um, and what Hello. I, sorry, I, I I'll, I'll break it down. Is um, it me you're looking for? <laughs> um, yeah, 
and in terms of hello like that's my that's how i want my legacy to be what i mean by that is uh for last year my personal goal was to know all the students names and that you know like they see someone and they know who i am and what i can do for them and this was like 350 kids and i had to and i and i made a goal to memorize all their names and i did and that's something i want to take on as well as like how andre was saying is success is when i continue to do what i would do and with my goal and um i think i've I only told a few other people but like oh and andre who said it like united nations i want to be the first fijian secretary general and you know big goals and it's part of like 20 30 years from now and it's definitely like how it plays into the role is again hello like the whole theme around it is people can just come talk to you when come talk to me when they can or when they see me not when i've got my headphones on in uni but like when they see me out in public when i'm doing what i do or if they want to ask me about stuff i'm doing then it's just a simple hello like and the whole reason i i talk about that is uh, people think i want to get into politics which i might be but not back home in fiji because um the reality of it fiji is still far behind in terms of politics and that's a, that's a different topic but i want for me and the legacy i want to live behind is as i go along and i want to build the legacy is people can always come to me and follow me the work i do and the people i'm with and the connections i build and they follow that as a you know as a conversation line to how they want to build themselves and then sort of form their own connections and this isn't my theme it's not my topic it's something i actually took on from a mentor of mine and a, and a lady who i'm very blessed uh, to know cuz she sort of aided me into getting into AUT now and and the work that i can do through uni to sort of get more education around it and um but yeah hello that's i hope that makes sense yeah, to a hello or a hi and it's just simple something simple as that it's cool man i like this hello hello my hello <laughs> Um, man, honestly, um, I, I think I was just really touched. Even just going back to you guys talking about your teachers, I was just like getting teary. I've been like, damn, like what a cool legacy for your teachers. And I just imagine thinking about my kids years from now, um, the wonderful things they'll go and do, the world changes, the world beaters and the giants that they will become. Um, it just it really touched my heart to hear you guys talk about your teachers like that. Um, funnily enough, I got um, parent teacher conferences tomorrow, so it's like a whole <laughs> oh, yeah. day. And honestly, some of the kids are just like, "Oh, you know, you're not going to talk to my parents, Matua. There, you know, they're not keen." Called the parents up. I was like, "I have to know where the kid, where your kid gets their personality from." Like some of them, <laughs> I just dropped texts like, "I just have to meet you because I love your kid so much. There's such an an awesome character." And I'm seeing all the parents tomorrow, so I'm really excited for it. And I think just hearing your fellas telling all about your teachers and seeing how far you've come on the backs of the adversity that you've faced. Like, I think when I think back, at least through my own experience, like translating my adversity, it led me to a path of like resentment. Um, but to hear you guys flip it in terms of like, it made you embracing it as an ingredient in who you are today. I think it's really cool. And I don't know, have there been times 
where you've felt some sort of resentment about both of you mentioned having to grow up too fast. There must have been times where you're like, oh, why can't I just be like a every day my mates and like have a normal normal life? Every day, any yeah, day. I, I think you know, re- resent. You know, you said resentment now, and it, it just clicked in my mind that I think you know, even even till now, there are like levels of resentment that I have mm-hmm. for my parents, just for for what I went through. Um, some of it totally their fault, some of it not. Um, but you know, it is there, um, and I think you know there are levels of it that there are levels of resentment that I think have affected my relationships, but. Um, that's that's a work in progress that's something that i just have to to keep you know like hammering down on and and working on as i grow and no doubt i will um but yeah it's just it's just that's one part of it and you know it's it's good that you added that because that's that is definitely one part of of Mm. my journey at least yeah it's like it's one of those underlying factors that we don't like to talk about we but we know that definitely is there (laughs) there. I, i think for me in terms of like Sorry, what was the question again? Like resentment. Just about like yeah, growing up and like um, you know, feeling some sort of resentment because of unique life circumstances, mm. having to grow up too fast when you look around and all your peers yeah. are living a seemingly normal life. Um, yeah. I think for me, I haven't talked about it with anyone yet and it's just a, something I personally feel every time I'm with my family is obviously having to grow up um so fast. I hate it when people tell me I'm so wise beyond my years or when I'm matured. Because when I think about why I'm so mature, it's because I I hadn't have any, hadn't didn't have any other choice, um, and I I mean I love my parents um, with what they do, even though they're both in two different countries and we only talk from time to time. But I think in terms of resentment, uh, <laughs> wait, okay, uh, it's good. It's yeah. good bro. I think in terms of resentment, it was definitely um, growing up. Yeah. I don't know. It's just. I, I don't know if people see it as I see it, but how I definitely saw it was I didn't have enough time for me. Mm. And I mean, I, I can't speak for others, but I had I had what people describe as middle child syndrome. So um, I'm the middle child, three, but um, dad had um, my older brother. It was from dad's first marriage. And so he's living his own life with his kids. And so it's just me, my older sister, my baby brother. And so it's just the way we were raised was I was pretty much like for me, I felt like I was pretty much the backbone and I, I, I haven't, I don't tell much. So, and like Andre said, no one's given me the time to talk about it. So I'm here and hopefully they don't see this part of it, but because <laughs> I want to stay in this country and I don't want to go back to Fiji, but <laughs> like, I think definitely, especially 2020, there was definitely a lot of resentment because me being in New Zealand was a mistake. <laughs> I didn't want to leave Fiji at all. I was comfortable staying in the slow life of the islands, but my parents sort of moved me. Like I didn't even choose Wesley College to in the first place. We like all I got at the end of 20, 20, 2019, like in the last half of the year was, okay, fill these out. We're going to send you over. And I, and then that's sort of where I started building up my resentment. Like it was already there. And like how I said, growing up too fast, being the backbone was for me personally, growing up, I felt like, I was sort of the forgotten one. It's all middle children too, you know? Um, like my sister, who I stay with her right now and we were renting together, but it's just sort of like she, because she's the only girl and I try to be understanding that she's the first child, the only girl, and she had something that, you know, parents, they're the, they're the firstborn. And my younger, and the youngest, he's the, he's like, he's got a 10 year gap between all of us. So he's like, the miracle child, as they say, um, and me being what 
19 now i still have to sort of bear the brunt of like my like for me my family we sort of live on the um i like to say like a corporate side of living i don't know how to, how to explain it but like we send emails to each other or we do zoom calls <laughs> and, just, and uh, it's just anything technical they always come to me like and or but yeah so, sorry back to the resentment part i think again definitely how i was growing up was you know i always felt left behind even in terms of school or trips or you know recognition or if i had plays or events at school who'd show up well they showed up to the others and that's sort of where my granddad i still hold him my granddad is still like a big champion for me today even against my own parents and um he was the first person that i called up when i got my badge and uh yeah first person i called up when i got my badge just to thank him you know even little messages and wisdom that's what grows up and i think to this day i still do hold some resentment not for my parents but around other areas about you know how i could have handled things myself resentment to myself but also against people who should have been the right um example of how things should be when you grow up or how things should be as you grow up like i always see videos of siblings hugging each other that's when i get jealous because my me and my siblings as close as we are it's like a very distant relationship because we're always competing and that's something i resent as well as like there's that competition spirit between your siblings and it's healthy but it gets to the point where you're like nah i don't i don't want to be in this anymore and I think to sum it up it's there's definitely a whole lot of resentment not only to myself but definitely to people in my life who I wish could have been more understanding to what I want to be and what I want to do and sort of you know even just say you got this or or even just tell me that we believe in what you can do because I don't hear that as much as I want to <laughs> but to hear from people that you love it sort of helps dissipate dissipate all that resentment that you hold and yeah it's it's something for a 15 year old to start hating people and then to build that hate to now 19 it's i guess something we're definitely working on and sort of fixing along oh, the way wow. um but yeah 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 thank you. well thanks for sharing that yeah Ron. honestly yeah Thank you, man. Uh, I think, yeah, like, <laughs> I think you just kind of opened up the can of worms to me because it's like now I just want to, I just want to share like my, mm. my side of it. And, you know, I, the resentment for me is mostly for the choices that my parents made both before and after I was born that kind of affected my childhood. Um, and, you know, I, I'd be lying to myself if I wasn't honest on who most of that resentment is projected at, and that's my father. Um, you know, he, he's my tongue inside. Um, but, like, and that's and that kind of overlaps into my whole, like, cultural identity crises because it's, like, um, he, he's the side where, where I had the most struggle with personally, but I'm still proud of the, the cultural cultural side that, like, he's given me. Um but like you know i i was seven years old when i found out that i had a half sister that lived in tonga and within 
you know, six months of finding out that I had a half sister who was older than me by nine years, she came and lived with us. So I was, you know, up until seven years old, I was the only child on the scene for, for my mum and dad. And then when my dad's daughter arrived on the scene, it was like, you know, I, I felt almost like I kind of got like bow pushed to the side, pushed mm. to the side. And so it was like, Oh gosh, it was <laughs> the worst feeling. And that's, that's where it was like just my mum and I, cause it was like, I think, you know, putting, putting myself, if I were to put myself in the shoes of my dad now, it's like you have a 16 year old daughter who you didn't, you know, raise, who has suddenly, you know, shown up, um, who you're trying to form a connection with and you're just trying to make up for, for that lost time, which I guess is one side I understand, but there is that level of resentment on how he went about it. Cause it, I felt almost neglected over that period of time. And so did my mum. Um, and that kind of catalyzed the whole, their whole separation as well. Um, like, so I think that's where I grew up faster cause I, I had to look after my mum. We were kind of like looking after each other over that period of time as, as we were kind of left on our own. And, and so, you know, for, for a long, for a long time, my mum picked up the role of a father as well, because, you know, my, my dad was, was there in the beginning, but you know, it was, it was all of a sudden just the point where it was my mum who picked up that sole responsibility of raising me. Mm. And we looked after each other and we relied on each other and, and we hurt each other. Like we were both hurting over the different things that were going on. Um, so that, that was like, you know, where a lot of, a lot of that struggle came from for me and especially in my early childhood. Um, and you know, it was, it was just such a complex time. Like with that, plus my mum and dad's relationship, I got like, I got counselling when I was like eight years old and like the counsellor like came back and said, oh, you need counselling for like, you know, a long time, just for, for, for a while because there's a lot that you need to unpack. Even at eight years old, I was having like conversations about like just all sorts of things that, you know, like no other eight-year-old would talk about. Um and I think, you know, that's why I've always been able to have like very inquisitive and deep conversations. Mm. And that's why young, like older people are like, oh, wow, you know, your so son's mature. amazing. <laughs> so mature. Mm. But it's like, you know, at the same time, you know, you're, mm. you're having to grow up because of the circumstances that you're in. And some of them can be quite unfortunate and ones that, you know, other people don't face. My mum my and dad made some real like poor financial decisions when I was a child. And that was the reason why we lost our home. Um, my grandma had to be put in a rest home and that was honestly like the beginning of her health demise because she passed away not long after that um you know I, th I think Baal's very fortunate in just the fact that he had grandparents because all my all my grandparents either passed away or were quite elderly by the time that I was born you know my mum she was 40 41 when when she had me and my dad my dad was just a little bit younger than that um, but all their parents had either passed away or were already of like just elderly age. So I didn't really get much of the wisdom from, from the grandparent side. So I always had figures. <laughs> my life was surrounded, like my, uh, my upbringing was surrounded by figures, people who represented what a child would have in their life, grandparents. My, my auntie Betty, she was my mum's like closest friend and she was an older lady that my mum worked with back in the day. And she ended up being like my adopted grandma um, up until when she passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, it's like, 
it was always like that. There was always like just, yeah, those little bits of resentment. And, you know, I don't, I don't talk to my father at the moment just because of things that have happened this year um, with our relationship. And that's been a struggle. Um, and that's been one thing that I've had to, to navigate as well. Um, and that's probably something that I haven't really been comfortable talking about until now, actually. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's been one challenge. Um, and also just with this whole move, I've kind of had to navigate it on my own. Um, just for, for the fact that my mum's like going through her own, her own thing Mm. and I don't want to burden her. Um, but there is also that just that, like I said, the resentment over the choices that made made because perhaps if they didn't make the poor choices financially when I was a child um, and that goes in, into their abusive relationship in terms of the choices that they made. But, you know, if they didn't make those choices, would I be in a better situation now? Maybe I wouldn't have to stress so much over picking up extra shifts at work just so I get a little bit extra money to, to put in my savings to help get myself ready. Because, um, you know, for the, for the past four months it's it's been about saving and working because I haven't been able to get help really from from anywhere else and in terms of in terms of family um and I've been totally fine for it um and I think I'm also partly too prideful as well just for for branching out for help because I think you know for so long people have like looked at my story and be like oh yeah he did that on his own you know um but I think yeah like there's just that level of pride Mm. of you know of resentment and just of, of always looking back and being, you know, oh, what if, you know, but on the positive side, it's like, you know, you've got to, you've got to consider that, but then you've also got to realize that you've just got to work with what you have now. And you're in a better, a lot of us are in better positions Mm -hmm. than, than other people, you know? Um, so just be grateful. And I think gratitude is, I actually got interviewed earlier this week for another article that the New Zealand Herald is writing and, they asked, you know, what what are like some things that you've had to reflect on? And I said, I, I'm I'm grateful, um, you know, regardless of of the situation that that I, the situations that I've been in, and the the, the situations that I find myself in now, I'm grateful for the position that I have because of the opportunities and the people and um, the things and the places that I'm going to. Um, and honestly, I can say, you know, that that regardless of of what has happened in the past, that I'm that I'm proud of 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 where I am now. Um, and also I just have to consider how those experiences shaped me. Yeah. (laughs) Mate, mate, I tell you what, man, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that and and going deep with, um, with that resentment and and that issue. Is there, like you said, um, Andre, you know, regardless of, of, you know, what has happened in the past and I'm not, not, not getting any of your, your, your experiences and your feelings and how you, how you feel even now. But you got to admit, you got to admit that regardless of what's happened in the past, and and I'm so impressed with your self awareness, and, and and how you guys are articulating how you feel and, and so forth, it just tells me, and I don't know, uh, maybe you can agree on as well, I'm Jay, but it tells me that we're you young men, you both of you, you you put you you exemplary young men, who gives hope, who really gives me hope, like man, we're in the midst of some real powerhouses here. I'm not, I'm not just saying that for, just for the sake of saying it. You guys, you know, the hope is that when I see you guys, that you guys are going to do some amazing things. You're going to accomplish some, some amazing feats, and that's the that's the truth. That's the that's the that's the truth. You can't look, you know, all the things that you had to go through. Look, you're still going. 
Yeah, look at the, the, the resilience, look at the character building, look at the, the strength, the inner strength that you guys have, the mental strength that some yeah. other young people or even adults, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid to say that, don't even have that. But you guys have it. And, and, and like Jay was saying, the wisdom that you guys have beyond your years exudes what um, what's going to happen in, in the future. And so I fully agree that in terms of your legacy, whatever you guys um, achieve and do, that it's going to be something that's going to be very impacting. And I'm, I'm very proud that you guys are here. I'm very proud to call you uh, my young brothers, my young usuals. <laughs> you know? Thank you. My young usuals. And so, guys, whatever it is you guys do, please, please let, keep us posted. And um, um, and all the best, all the best. I mean, uh, yeah, one, I just, yeah. One more thing I wanted to add is like, on, on just on that resentment thing, resentment doesn't equal hate because, mm. you know, regardless regardless of what we resent and the people that we resent, um, you know, there's still that level of love for them. Like, you know, I, I still love my parents and I love my family and I, I love the, the people that are around me. But, you know, like, like I said, there's just there are those like those factors that always that always affect like the dynamics and the situations in the past that you do take but it's it regardless of of what it is it, it is love like you know you can't and you can't disregard that because you know these are all important and pivotal people in your life mm. um and you've just you've got to be nothing but grateful mm. that you have them around yeah well said I well said yeah just to finish off to, in terms of the resentment part I think amidst all of it that happened with me and how I feel about my whole life is I'm thankful at the end of it. Like, mm. um, and I don't think I could ever go through what Andre went through, but um, I'm, for me, it's over the past year or past year, yeah, since like end of last year to now, I can sort of like, I could tell that my dad sort of like trying to fix that relationship because it's like building a bridge. Like normally it was just like a message every other two days with him because he stays halfway across the world, but and now it's just a message every day. It's like sort of like affirmations that he sends every morning. And it's just, I could, and he doesn't admit it. Cause you know, like old, old Pacifica men, they, you know, emotions aren't a big thing. Um, especially when you grew up traditionally and um, for him to be able to sort of start bridging a better connection for me, that's, and with my mom as well, it's like, that's, it just adds on to the love and, I think just the admiration I have for both of them. And like Andre said, resentment doesn't equal hate. Um, mm. It doesn't just equal how you feel about a person, but how you personally um, line yourself up in terms of how you interact with people. And yeah, I think the biggest takeaway was, like uh, like Andre said, was prideful, was, you know, things we go through in childhood that certainly affects how we are as older people. And that's how we took on our leadership roles and how, we're here today just talking to you guys on the show and taking those lessons and applying that as we go along and we're still doing it today. And again, it's just bridging, definitely bridging a lot of gaps that were built over the years and sort of leading it back to where we were. Yeah. I like what you said. Resentment doesn't equal hate. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is very wise. You, know, you could you could easily just say, you don't want to stuff mm. that. You know, and still keep hold on to their resentment mm. and, and not even show that, but it, you know, still keep it inside and, and let it kind of rear its ugly head again. You know, when things go go rough or when the going gets tough. But man, that's that's very wise, brothers. Very I think, wise. I think I, I've seen I've seen what lifelong resentment does to people in their relationships with others, and I've seen what lifelong resentment people like what lifelong resentment does to someone because I've seen it. I've seen it kill 
my closest family members mm. just from just from the the mental hurt that it does mm. um and i don't want to be like that so that's just like one core example of of just why I, I i have just chosen to let go um of not necessarily what has happened in the past because you know it is it is still in a, like a pivotal part of me but um just just kind of like just acknowledging that it happened being able to reflect on it and talk about it in these environments um but just keep going on with my life and my path regardless um, guys, it's been a privilege. It has been. It's been a real privilege. Thank you for having us. It is. It is. It is. I'm, I'm, I'm just like I said. I'm very impressed with you, young men, and it puts us in good stead. And it also makes me, lets me know, like, man, we got some young men out there who are going to do some some amazing stuff. And so, really, and the the hope is that you guys change the world. Uh, as cliche as it sounds, but you guys will. I I, I believe it. I really believe it. I, I always think about um, speaking things into existence. And then you guys have already shared a lot of the stuff that you guys are doing already. Um, but the future is very bright. The future is very bright indeed. Um, and so, my Lord, lover, guys, I just appreciate your your time and your wisdom, and also your experiences <laughs> as well. Uh, but I know Jake might, might have a few questions as well. Um, just just one, honestly, one thought. Really, <laughs> um, I'm just so touched by the conversation. Honestly, it feels like it feels surreal. Honestly, like I picture my kids when I'm as I'm talking to you. I'm like, I wish I can have this conversation with my kids when they grow to be your age. Um, and you just sort of helped me realize that as a parent, sometimes as parents, we make sacrifices for our kids and we don't quite know the cost that the sacrifice will have on them. Like we think we know until we do it. And then sometimes it's like, we don't realize, shit, this really hurt them. Mm -hmm. Like not only did I make the decision to sacrifice for them, but I actually sacrificed part of them in my decision-making. <laughs> Um, and so to hear about that, it's just similar to the mahi that you guys are doing um, and giving back to the upcoming generation. It's just made me think more about the sacrifice I'm going to make for my kids. But also, if I am going to make that sacrifice, that I've got a plan in place to be able to communicate, to be able to connect, to let them know that they're valued, that I believe in them, that they have my heart, my love, my faith, uh, everything with them, but not in a sense that they have an expectation to live up to, but simply that whatever they choose, um, and, and the same goes for you, whatever happens, whatever you choose, sometimes we think the doorway will lead us down a certain path. The truth is we just don't know. So whatever happens, whatever you got, what comes next for you and for my own kids, but also for you guys, like just know that we back you, we support you. And yeah. I know that you guys will influence and change the world, but more importantly than that, you'll change your own world, whether it be who knows what the relationship with your father and your mom is <laughs> going to be like in the future, but yeah. whatever that is in your world, like I honestly backing you 100%. And same for you, um, like just honestly with your family and reconnecting with your siblings and your parents mm -hmm. and grandparents, but also just for you guys, as few, I mean, I don't know if you guys plan to have kids one day, but just <laughs> as future parents, as sons right now, Honestly, wish you nothing but the best and just know that we support you. If you ever want to vent again, I would love to keep in contact <laughs> and just who knows, we might get you back here in like a year, a couple of years and it would be cool to just see where yeah. you guys are at yeah. and yeah. just unpack whatever it is we're feeling because we're allowed to feel that way. So yeah. 
Much love. Thank you. Appreciate you. Naka, Naka. See, look what you guys have done. You, got, you got our teacher was stirred up and passionate, man. <laughs> <laughs> man. Yeah. Awesome, Normally, I'm pretty man. chill, but I just, I love it, man. Obviously, yeah, you guys awesome. really just. So it's good to have those connections as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. man. Hey. But, brothers, hey, um, just thank you once again. But we always give our, our guests a gift. And so, um, you guys are going to get a gift as well tonight. And so, oh. <laughs> we always give our, our guests a, a caricature of, of how we envision them to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that should be interesting. Oh wow! This is for you, and on behalf of the Mandate team, <laughs> behalf of the Mandate oh, team, this is for you guys. That is love it. Yeah, my little lover brothers. Love Thank that. you so much. This is gonna go up in my dorm. I'll send you a photo. When I, <laughs> I want to put this up on my wall once again. Yeah, this, yeah, this is not taking this. This is going in my dorm. Oh man, appreciate it. But guys, before you before we kind of wrap it up, um, is there any anyone that you think that could be um ideal to come? Come on the podcast, some some young, because you guys are the youngest. You guys are the youngest on the, on the podcast. You know what, 18, 19? Yep. You guys are the youngest. 18 yeah, 19. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. You guys are the youngest to be, ever come on the on the mandate podcast. And so, mm. is there any anyone that you can think of that um would be ideal to come on or perfect to come on the on the podcast? I think the other tights I get only Moana prefix. Yeah, we could have a yeah. chat as well. Cool. Yeah, we're, um, thinking, we're talking about Mac and yeah, Mac, Mac and Toffee and. Charm and Mena and, and Nate and Nate, and Nate. Oh, yeah, and, and also Emily and I'm just gonna name them also. They don't realize this. <laughs> yeah, because they're a group of amazing young yeah. people, amazing and I, people. no doubt I think you know there there are actually a group. There's like there's like other young people mm. out there that I think deserve a forum to speak. Hopefully they reach out, yeah, and course. I you know and I, I encourage you guys to like you know put that out there that if there's like young people that have a story and they want to talk about it, have a yarn reach out to you guys and <laughs> invite them over here yep. yeah. and and like let them let them talk because you know this is like these are only like two two people re- out of two people out of how many other that have yeah. the same experiences um but yeah i think yeah. sorry before i end i hope it's all right i just want to end on a closing note that um or my closing note that you know after all i've said is there's always love for heaven it's not it's not hate that i hold for anyone i love it's just lessons i take along the way and I hope that people, especially like out of context, but the Fijian community, they like to gossip. So I just hope that whatever we share, nothing's gone bad with it. And again, like Andre said, thank you for the forum to talk because we're just like, like he said, we're just two people out of what hundreds and thousands of young Pacifica males, females who are going through the same thing or maybe even worse. And it's like, they don't like to talk about it and we're just, Two stories and a yeah. whole block of it. I mean, hopefully we're an example for young women to talk about their feelings and their mm. experiences and maybe reflecting on how they have, that has affected where they are now. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one thing I hope. Um, and not like, let's get everyone on the podcast, but hopefully they're having conversations of their own, not yeah. maybe with like, if with themselves, maybe with others, um, but at least like have the thought in their mind that, you know, they should have these like deep reflections on themselves and, and where their life has brought them to this point mm. um, and where they want to go. Cause you know, we're at pivotal points in our lives um, where a lot of the choices that we make now are going to affect where we are in the future <laughs> and statistics, you know, always remind us uh, about, you know, this time mm. in our life and how that affects our outlook for the future. So, um, you know, this is, this is just a, a perfect time to reflect and talk. Uh, and, you know, I'm really happy that, I was here to kind of 
talk about just my experience. I don't really mind about some of the things I said because half the people that I'm concerned would hear what I had to say are probably asleep by now with how long we've been talking for. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's totally fine. Um, but, you know, it, I'm going to be gone next week. So anyone want to contact me? <laughs> just, just leave my number. No phone number, no email, no nothing. Just, like just, said, yeah. just stir the pot and leave it. <laughs> I, even, I even contacted um, the gym and was like, oh, um, you can't take money out of my account. No more money in that account indefinitely. <laughs> kind regards. <laughs> and also cancel my membership. So we're waiting to hear back what they have to say. But yeah. Man, appreciate appreciate, brothers. Hey, we always give our guests the last word, and so mm-hmm. any uh, anything, any words of encouragement to our, our young men out there or young people out, out there, um, brothers? I think don't take no for an answer. Mm. Send it, and look where you've come from. <laughs> look back. Don't forget to look back, but always look forward. Nice. I think, yeah, it's definitely. Sorry, what say to all the young yeah, people? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think. The best thing I could say is just take your time and finding your communities and finding your grounding in the world because it's a big, heavy place. And you know, you won't always have you won't always have another person like you. So take your time, be who you want to be, and yeah, find your grounding. Yeah, that's what I want to end with. <laughs> man, man, oh, man, and you guys got to make us proud. Um, you got to make um, Tonga proud, the Kingdom of Tonga, Fiji proud, and also New Zealand, uh, but also, but more so, you yourselves proud. And so, man, thank you once again, brothers. And please don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Look forward to your well thought out comments. And as usual, brother, refine, unlock, and, and take, take charge. charge. Mandate.